I'm going to call Benton. Hold on. Wait, hold on. Let me call. I'm going to call Benton so that he can pull his weight and help me do ads. Okay. Hello. Hello. Where's my article furniture? <laughs> on a truck somewhere, I hope. Yes. I need, I, I'm trying to put together my outdoor display. I need it. What did I order? Display. You ordered two chairs and a rug. I know, but didn't I order a dining set or did we not get that yet? You did not order a dining set that I know of unless you ordered it on your own. Did you know they have weather-resistant dining sets, loungers, which I need more of, especially given the fact that no one's allowed to come over right now, but I need them for me and my dogs, and I also have two new ducks and a rabbit. (laughs) So we need the lounger, the sofa, and all of the outdoor furniture because nature's back. And I yeah, want them. I have a bobcat too. I feel like we should get one of the loungers for the bobcat to sit on perch. Yeah, it needs it honestly. Okay, so you know that I hate reading ads verbatim and sounding corny, and like I'm just phoning it in, and you're literally phoning it in. So why don't you describe Article Furniture? Because we're already fans of this company. Yes, Article Furniture is it is modern, it is chic, but it is art deco it is every it's every decade it spans time and space okay if you want furniture that's going to last you look great and feel comfortable this is it benton's in his car he's not reading ad copy he's just winging it i am i don't even know what we're talking about except for the fact that it's article and i own all of it. see this is how much we love this company we do not even i i would describe it as having uh sweet isn't it swedish uh dutch influences i'm not like a big uh, I'm not good at describing architecture, but I know classy when I see it. I know sexy when I see it. It's the perfect combination of rustic and sensual and everything matches. That's the other thing I like about it. You don't have to be like, have an eye. You don't have to be like an interior decorator. You can just like order 10 things and they all just go with each other. So you look like you have better taste than you do as long as you just order all article furniture. <laughs> That's true. It all looks good. It all it's all comfortable, and you can't go wrong with it. Honestly, I also every time I go onto uh, the website, I think that there's some kind of mistake because everything actually is like reasonably priced, and I'm so used to furniture just being like cartoonishly expensive for no apparent reason. And I can't pay a lot of money for furniture. My dogs get on my furniture. I'm not going to pay two thousand dollars for freaking carpet. It's not happening. So the good news about article is that you save 30% over traditional retail, retail, as you would say, retail prices, retail, retail prices, retail prices, articles able to keep their prices low by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. No showrooms, no salespeople, no contracting Corona in a sales room and no retail markups, which is the shit, honestly. <laughs> It really is. It's fast, affordable. Shipping is available across the USA and Canada and is free and orders over $999. All in-stock items are delivered in two weeks or less. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase for $100 or more. Go to article.com slash Whitney and the discount will be automatically applied to checkout. Also, take pictures of your article furniture and tag us because um, I want to see what you're doing with your article furniture. I'm killing it over here, making cozy nooks and welcoming uh, warm moments and spaces for when people are allowed to come over again. But in the meantime, it makes for a great place to shoot content with all my new stuff. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Go to article.com slash Whitney if you want your house to look like mine. 
chic, hot, sexy, rustic. The discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash Whitney to get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. What a steal! Let's go, Benton. Guess who's back, everyone? Shh, it's a secret. (laughs) Benton! I don't want them to know yet. (laughs) Benton is trying to get into the chair. (laughs) (laughs) Shh, do you think this is how Kelly Ripa feels when she comes back to her show? Are you the Kelly Ripa of this? Of this yes. <laughs> I'm the Ryan Seacrest. Yes. <laughs> you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense. I've lost 10 pounds and I still couldn't get through there. <laughs> that, to be fair, I have moved the table around a couple times. That was kind of a trick. <laughs> well. Well. Are you turning your phone off? I'm yeah, I'm turning oh, it off. Oh, thank you so what a what a triumphant return to the <laughs> podcast. People they, they, everyone's so excited to hear you talk, and there you are on your phone. Oh, what was that? Benton's taking a mask out of his pocket, yeah. glasses out of his pocket. You don't know this, but I have one of those magician scars up my sleeve. <laughs> I'm just gonna start pulling it out any moment. I am the just so you guys know the visual of what's going on here, I'm in pajamas with cheetahs on them and Benton And I look like Kurt Cobain if he was stung by a bunch of bees. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? Benton dyed his hair. Please blonde. <laughs> Bleach your hair. You cannot dye your hair blonde. Bleach his hair blonde. Whatever the fuck the kids say. The kids. What made you decide to go um full Fleetwood Mac with that hair? Um, mostly TV shows I watch. I like to really dive into things I'm enjoying. Yeah, which serial killer watching, did you base that hairdo on? I was watching The Runaways. And what's know, that? It's about The Runaways, the band. Uh, oh, know. the band! Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It has Dakota Fanning in it, and I was like, you know who's similar to Dakota Fanning? <laughs> Me. Me. <laughs> so you just did it with bleach? Yeah, I had my friend. My friend works at a salon, so she sent me some professional shit. By the it, way, I did it on live for two hours. People watched me do this. Benton also is braiding the front of his hair as well, so it looks like he has nine tiny rat tails all <laughs> yep. around his forehead. Yeah, I did that while I was watching a, a documentary. Mm-hmm. Oh, and just left it <laughs> because a docu- I'm a child of the '90s. <laughs> a documentary. Yeah, a documentary. Look who's so English now that he's been in quarantine. I've been working on my um on my speaking voice so that when I return to my <laughs> Your uh, elocution? Yeah. Comfortable cabinet. See that? You've been doing that in quarantine? No. Okay. <laughs> but I thought about it. There wasn't a master class for it though, so I No, maybe we should do one. We should do one, the two of us. We should, should do, do it. No, I don't think I want to be on any master class anytime soon. So, um, hi. Hey. Look at us. Look at us. We're back doing a pod together. It's it's definitely a little awkward. It's a little rocky. Do you think it's good when I just repeat what you say like that? You think that, <laughs> you think that gives good flow to the podcast? Yeah, I like that. That's what in therapy, um, there's this therapist who, when you're in a relationship where you're not able to communicate well, he makes you repeat what the other person said. I've so- seen Dr. Phil. <laughs> not him. I think he got canceled. <laughs> he somehow managed to get canceled in a pandemic. That's how big of an asshole that guy is. <laughs> But so say you're mad at me about something. All right, name something. Okay. 
Like, say we're in a fight. Like, and say that I hurt your feelings. About okay. You. Uh, I only had one extra egg roll, and I don't think it was nice for you to point it out to everyone at our big meeting, Ryan. <laughs> no, I mean me. I'm me, and you're you. And oh, this. I'm not Kelly. Okay, got it. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> I forgot, I, we're, so I forgot Ripa. we're now full role playing into <laughs> Kelly and Ryan. So I would say, uh, I hear that you're upset that I pointed out that you only had one egg roll in the meeting. Mm -hmm. I hear that you're upset about that. But the reason that I pointed it out was whatever. And yeah, then you fat shaming. That you would, <laughs> I wanted to fat shame you in front of everyone and humiliate you. In front of the head of NBC. Because I want you to change. And that's the only way to get through to your thick skull. So you would repeat what the other person says. A lot of people who are in quarantine right now, maybe that is a helpful tool. I mean, don't do what we just did. But you're supposed to repeat what the other person said back to them to confirm that you're hearing them because a lot of times yeah we're, you do that in sales and retail really yeah it, it, it's called reinforcing the sale or something like that and it's so that when you say something crazy to me and i sell that to you you know that's what you wanted <gasps> so if Whoa. you say i want a green eyeshadow and i say here's one and you say i want this one and i'm like well that's actually gold and you're like well i want that one it's green and i was like here's the gold eyeshadow that you think is green and i'm whoa that's called yeah. gaslighting first of all <laughs> yeah, first well, in, off in retail you call it reinforcing the sale so it's so that the person knows they're being an idiot and it's not your fault when they come back yeah. and question answer repeat really and so the point is so that they don't they don't come back and go i want a green eyeshadow and he gave me gold eyeshadow yeah, so everything you're doing is your choice as the customer not mine Oh, wow. And then if I disagree with you, I would say, in my professional opinion, and then I would give my answer. You know what? I like that because a lot of times when your friends are making like horrible mistakes in front of you, like dating idiots or getting back with their exes or something, sometimes all they need is for you to repeat it back to them. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll be like, I'm texting Mark and I started texting Mark and da da da. And so like me and Mark and I'm going to go see Mark next week. And you're like, oh, so you and Mark are getting back together. And they're like, no. And you're like, <laughs> Yeah, you are. You just needed it phrased that way and repeated back to yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. You needed someone to hold a mirror up to your bad choice. Yeah, that's exactly what you need. Question, answer, repeat. So what you're saying is you're getting back together with Mark. That's not what I'm saying. That's what I'm doing. It's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You so your actions. Yes, right. That's right. That's right. Um, oh, that's really interesting. I love that kind of shit. You know I love retail psychology. Yeah. One that, of my favorite things to do is watch those documentaries about um, how they get people to buy things that like. The why of the buy. The why of the buy. Like, call it, and when we call it in college, they call it the why of the buy. How they like in, um, uh, they turn the air conditioning up when they're trying to sell things for the fall. Mm -hmm. They pump the fragrance through the, yes. the vent. It's like all the psychological mind tricks. Yeah. Remember stores? Yeah. It's, <laughs> if, it's, if you're an outdoor mall, they open the doors for you. Uh -huh. so you. So you feel more invited. They put couches in there. I never thought I'd say this, and I don't want to talk about quarantine this whole open, because Anthony Jelsonek is here, and he is very, very interesting and fucking funny and great um, uh, coming up. But I'm going to miss malls. I feel like malls are going to look very different after this. I f or maybe not. Am I wrong? Here, this is the big, this is the big reason I wanted to have Benton on today, besides that I know we all miss Pooh Bear. Is the rest of the country behaving how California is behaving? Uh, never in the history of the country <laughs> has the rest of the country behaved as California. Like, is this real? I'm starting to think this isn't real. No, I mean, I, I, I don't think California is wrong, but I can guarantee you no one else is doing this. <laughs> like In my hometown? I haven't been outside in 60 days, and then I look on the news and everyone's at the beach. And I'm like, am I the California idiot 
who is just, you know, is this like the new PC culture thing where only 2,000 people in LA are tweeting about it, but we think it's everyone? It's like after Roseanne got canceled, after she sent that offensive tweet, I was like, oh my God, this is the, I can never leave my house again. I'm so embarrassed. Like I was so, and then I like went to Tampa and everyone was like, where's Roseanne? What happened? I'm like, you didn't see? And they're like, no, I love that show. I'm like, you didn't hear about the tweet? They're like, what tweet? I'm like, oh my God, we're in such a tiny echo chamber. Yeah, it is definitely a bubble. I will say, I think California is usually ahead of the game most of the time uh, on like, on the majority of things. But in this situation, um, they're not, we're not going out for another three months, they're saying. Yeah. And the rest of the country is opening comedy clubs. So I need to understand what's happening. My hometown took their stimulus checks <laughs> and they're all buying wave runners with them <laughs> that they're going to take on the river because we don't have an ocean. They're just going down <laughs> Duck River on a wave runner. Hi, <laughs> that's fucking America. Fuck yes. Yeah. They're just like, I'm it. I'm just so curious. Like, are people wearing masks? Because I can't take this celebrities in quarantine anymore. I know you guys have seen me going off my rocker on this celebrity quarantine shit, but I I think celebrities are not going to come out of this the same. No. No. I mean, they, I, the quarantine fashion shows. Could you be more fucking out of touch? And y'all know who I'm talking about, too. The celebrities that I've been making fun of on the solo podcast, they it, it's so funny when I make fun of a celebrity for quarantining like an asshole. Because, you know, they're like posting themselves in Gucci dresses. And this is my Marc Jacobs dress that I wore to the Met Ball. And I'm never going to be able to wear it out again. So I thought I'd wear it for you guys on Instagram. And they have like nine Hermes purses behind them. Yeah. They're all like $20,000. They're in their giant walk-in closet. And they're like, quarantine is so hard. But I'm having a quarantine fashion show to cheer myself up like dude how do you not know that you look like an asshole and then the celebrities that i'm making fun of are usually the ones that text me and they're like oh my god your instagrams are so funny right now i'm like bitch i'm talking about you those are the celebrities that will survive the narcissists they're the ones that are going to make it through the ones that i'm over are the ones that are trying to relate to me stop (laughs) we're not the same i know you have more money and i know you're doing better so act like it you're supposed to be a fantasy the whole point of celebrity in hollywood is to be a fantasy you're supposed to be the thing that I aspire to, the thing that is doing something that I can't do. Do you know how many people I know that can go around and wear a mask and buy their own groceries? Plenty. I don't need to follow you for that. I need to follow you <laughs> to see delusion, to see glamour and grace. Private jets. Need. Yeah. Gowns. That's what I'm following you for. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because celebrities, like, they're like, they'll post a photo of themselves in a mask at home like they're some kind of hero. It's like, do you want points yeah. for sitting in your mansion wearing a mask where you don't... First of all, you don't even be wearing a mask inside. Yeah, they're putting a mask on like, what are poor people wearing outside? <laughs> I better I better match it up. I'm over this this concept of celebrities trying to be like me. I'm supposed to want to be like you. Stop oh, wow. it. wow. That's interesting. I, like, I would have stayed back in Perry County if I wanted to be like that. Like, but also, do you think that... We think you're not going to the grocery store because of the pandemic. We know you never went before this. Yeah. We don't you're not a hero for continuing to not do the things you never did. I'm not going outside. You never Yeah, people, as opposed to being driven to a I, lot <laughs> where assistants. someone meets you at the cheese tray and some grapes. Like what are you talking <laughs> your about? Your assistants ran your errands before this. You had nannies doing all that. Like I lo- it's so funny that celebrities are now trying to like give out parenting advice because they're having to spend time with their kids for the first time. They're like, I mean, I literally saw the post was like, here's some things to do with your kids. Here's some activities to do with your kids. People are like, bitch. We know how to hang out with our kids. Yeah. We've always hung out with our kids. We never had nannies. I think we know how to put make blocks. 
Yeah, I know what a Lego is. Thank you. <laughs> I think that celebrities confuse being relatable. Yeah. Like, I think they don't really know what that is. They're trying to be relevant at all costs. I think being and a, it's a embarrassing. Ce- a celebrity being relatable is like, you know what a what a normal or what a what a everyday working class person who all of a sudden had money like this would do? Hmm. They would help their family with yeah. money. They would show that. Yeah. They would celebrate their achievement. Yeah. They would be they wouldn't be on here like, oh, isn't it hard? Like, no. No. And every a, a working class person that that now got to live like that would be like, oh my god! I get to hang out. Look what with we get my to friends. do. Yeah, That's, people, celebrities that are good at being relatable to, uh-huh. to working people, or like Lizzo, who are like, oh, I want a Grammy. I'm very excited about that. Let me yeah. celebrate. It. Yeah, they're not like, oh, the music industry is hard. Like, shut up. Oh, see, you then make- trade me. Let's trade. Let's trade. Let's trade. Yeah, you go you go bag groceries and I'll go to this party where I have to spend four hours getting ready and I wanted to nap. Like shut up. Oh wow. That's, That's why people like Cardi B. Relatable. She's a being a person. It, well, is, she enjoys her success. Yes. Show me that. That's interesting. I mean, it's I think that also celebrities don't understand you don't have to be famous all the time. Like we're not gonna forget about you. I I'm mm-hmm. gonna be honest with you. I get, I'm getting, sorry, my dog is shaking around. Can't not have the attention, <laughs> Daisy. Um, celebrity. Celebrity. Um, I definitely am going to be straight up with you. Like, I had a lot of fear when this started. Like, what if people forget about me? What if I'm not relevant? That's nonsense, though. But I, it, 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 I'm not saying we're rational people. I mean, <laughs> Hollywood is run by a bunch of sensitive, dramatic people that hallucinate that nothing is ever enough for us, right? So for me, I and I'm seeing all these people doing the lives and the Zoom podcast, and I'm like, I got to be doing more and got to be doing more and stuff that I would never do if there wasn't a pandemic. And I'm watching a lot of people degrade themselves and fucking embarrass themselves. A lot of these, first of all, a lot of these Zoom podcasts, I can't, I have done two. Dak Shepard, I thought was great. And mm-hmm. he knows how to work audio. Like he, you know, it was a little grainy, but he's so good that I think it was fine. And then I did one with Kat Dennings that's coming out next week. And she's a fucking delight. Um, but I, and I actually think the best version of something with her was remote. Cause if she was here, like, I feel like I need to get her out quickly. You know, like right. there's, I think some of the zooms are, are good interview wise, but most of it looks like fucking surveillance footage. I look like I'm watching a crime. I don't know what's happening. I'm like, is this a ring camera? Like, like was yeah. this a next door post? Like, oh no, that's a podcast. And I can't, it's amazing to me how bad the Instagram lives are. I'm like, dude, why don't you have Wi-Fi? You have nine Porsches, but you don't have a solid wife. Are you on Netgear? Like, why are you a famous person and you're fuzzy in your IG life? Well, most famous people, I would say, are not showrunners and people have to think in that they, they don't think in camera angles they think in i'm a star you're yeah. here to watch me but this you know what to me that is just proof that actresses have never talked to crew they've never talked to the camera guy the fact that they don't know where the camera should fucking go right they've never you talk- can tell the ones that have <laughs> yes though. you have never talked to the lighting guy your lights should never be behind yeah. you sarah jessica parker always facing the sunlight flawless, flawless, flawless. videos <laughs> there's a point to it there's a beginning a middle and an end and she's like and that is your sj tip and you're like okay <laughs> yes she talked to the below the line workers okay? and you know because those are i think people like that that's the thing this fear of being forgotten is like you're all famous because of nostalgia we like the thing you did we don't care what thing you're doing it hasn't so what happened does that yet mean? we like the thing you did we oh yeah you're famous for the thing you've already done i don't need you to constantly check in with yeah. me every day i got you you're in my hippocampus yeah we like whitney for the show whitney we like whitney for two broke girls for your specials we've already seen them that's why we like you 
the thing you're going to do, we don't know. We don't care about it. Right. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet. But he gives two shits less. You know, we like <laughs> Sylvester Stallone for Rocky. If he never does anything else, we like that. He's yeah. famous for that. Well, we, I don't, yeah, what is that thing where celebrities, like, they feel like they need to check in with you every day and give you, like, little mediocre morsels? And I'm big on, like, you know what? Do what Beyonce, she goes away for a year. She fucking drops an album when no one's looking. Because she knows she can. And it's perfection. Donald Glover, he'll like go away for a year and then he'll drop something great. Instead yeah. of like like every day dropping something kind of mediocre. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it. The time frame of being a new celebrity mm -hmm. is very small. And yeah. then you either have to get us and we have to have something to attach you to. Yeah. Or, you're, or, or that's it. So do you want a famous person checking in with you every day on IG Live and grainy ass surveillance Depends. Footage. If there's someone who is very entertaining like that, yeah. like Cardi B, if there's someone who can just talk yeah. and I'm like, whoa, then yes, I do. Yeah. If you're... if you're, Because by the way, half these IGs, they look bored. I'm like, do you even want to be... First of all, do you even want to be here? Second of all, where, right. where are you looking? Look into the camera. First, third of all, like... Why does it? I look like I'm watching the Blair Witch Project. Stop, yeah. Stop walking around. You're making me nauseous. Okay. Have a fucking plan. You're not charming enough to walk around. You're not. Prop your phone up on a fucking bookshelf or whatever you have to do. Plant your shit and stay. When people are just like walking around, like, hey guys, sorry, I'm just walking around. It's like I'm gonna fucking puke. But I think kids may like that more. The younger, because they're used to vloggers. You're calling me old? The younger generation, you know, they're used to everybody that's vlogging their outside. They're mm -hmm. just walking to, walking to Pink Barrier. If that's I thing. just think it's very alarming that in this industry, actresses are trying to push for more female directors and every IG Live looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> True. Learn okay. how to hold a fucking That's camera, true. okay? Because we don't have a leg to stand on, <laughs> okay? I would like to be able to go into these Hollywood meetings after this and go, look how great women are with camera work. <laughs> I didn't on my own. I can't do that right now. It's embarrassing. Um, it is. It is. It is very interesting. It's I also like. I was thinking about this last night as I was going to bed, and maybe this is a you know because I know everyone that listens to this podcast is you know y'all are seekers, y'all are smarty pantses, and y'all want to be better. There has been an interesting thing I've had to confront myself with of because, you know, everyone's doing these IG lives and everyone's asking each other. The power of asking, it's all about who is going to get the clout and the likes right now is the person that has the biggest balls to ask. Because right now it's about, hey, do you want to do an IG live? Hey, do you constantly asking people? And I have trouble asking people because I feel like I owe them something. I feel like I'm wasting their time. I feel like, um, you know, uh, I'm guilting them or they're doing it because they feel like they have to. Or they're going to say no or ignore me, you know, which are, I'll get rejected. And I'm watching certain people that are doing IG lives every day with people they have no business doing IG, people that are wildly out of their league, right. you know, follower-wise or whatever, echelon-wise, but they got it because they asked. And I'm finding myself going like, I don't want to ask this person, I don't want to ask this person, and I'm realizing how I still am very insecure about asking people for help in any way. Well, that's really interesting because I think, not to bring this up again, but I think that a lot of these people that are getting these asks that mm -hmm. they're wanting are probably... A little narcissistic. They probably think that, oh my God, you're so lucky to get to do this with me too, though. Uh, like I'd, us together, could I'm you imagine? So, I'm realizing the pandemic is making me realize like that I'm so insecure. Like I, all my comedian friends, I feel comfortable asking. I've done their podcast 10 times. Like I don't feel, you know, they get to come on this show. Tons of people listen to it. But I'm feeling like if it's not for the podcast, 
I'm like, well, what are they getting out of well, it? Do you like, feel equal I, to your comedian friends? Is that why it's easier? Yes, there's that. Uh, there's that. But there's also a, um, uh, it's almost like a, not an I'm not good enough, but if I'm only doing you for my Instagram, like, you know, what are you getting out of it? And then, well, they get to talk to me for an hour. Like, why can't I go, well, right. that'll be so fun for them. You know? Yeah, I mean, I saw somebody interview Patty Lapone on Instagram Live, and I was like, holy shit, like, what did she get out of that? Dude, Cameron Diaz did it. I think Tina, like, what are they going to say no? I mean, no one has anything to, at least celebrities have nothing to do right now. People in the entertainment business have nothing to do. And I'm like, why don't I just ask The Rock to do an IG Live? And also, you don't know how they feel about you. They might be like, oh my God, she... She, you know, made this thing that I love. No one she said tells no, my but that's joke, the irony. Or, no one said no to me. But I am also scared of asking. And I think that as we just move forward through this, and you know, um, we're going to talk, uh, do some advice for college graduates, and or not college graduates, high school graduates going to mm -hmm. college. College graduates, you have a degree. I can't help you. You fucking, <laughs> you don't need any more advice. You <laughs> graduated luck. college. Yeah. Good luck. Godspeed. <laughs> save your money. Use a condom. Um, don't buy Propecia online. Those are that's the only advice I can give you. Um, but. It is interesting because I, I do realize like I've worked so hard on myself and my codependence and be, to be able to say no to things and to be able to stand up for myself and to not feel bad when I've done nothing wrong, to not feel guilt or shame when I've done nothing wrong, to not take on other people's feelings, to tolerate discomfort. But I'm still struggling with asking for what I perceive to be help. What do you think that they will say to you? Like, uh, your Instagram? Not at all. It's totally a fear of the unknown. It's totally probably a fear of rejection. Or sometimes for me, it's a fear of saying yes. And then I'm going to not, I'm going to waste their time. Or I'm going to be a letdown. Or I'm going to be disappointing. Do you, did you feel like this in all the things you've done throughout yes. your career? Yeah. Is, is that why, pretty much. Is that why your career, you feel like it's pretty much self-paved? Like you made your own thing, made your own thing, made your own thing, did your own thing. Probably. Is that why? Because you have a fear of letting people down or you have a fear of, of asking to do something else? I have a fear of feeling like I'm putting people out. And you know what it is? As I'm talking through it, I'm realizing that I'm projecting because I say yes to things I don't want to do chronically. Mm -hmm. And then I feel yeah. resentful after. And I don't want to put someone else in that situation. I assume that other people are as codependent as I am. I assume if someone says yes... They're going to be resentful and they feel like they are doing it. They have to do it out of guilt and they can't say no. And then I feel like I'm putting the pressure on someone that I hate when they put on me. Do you think a lot of that from you and other people in the industry is just that you're all a little like jaded by the things you have to do? Like you're all like, well, I shouldn't have to do this. But could you imagine you being at the beginning of your career and mm -hmm. someone being like, do you want to get on the Internet with me and talk to strangers? How, yeah. how exciting that would be? Yeah. Do you think that maybe it's just like a everyone kind of needs to take a, a new perspective? Like, you know what? You know what this could be really fun if I wasn't already telling myself I don't want to do it. You know what it is? I feel like I get used so much. And, I, and I'm going to clarify that because I think that I allow myself to be used because it recreates some kind of pattern. Like, we're always just looking for patterns, right, to recreate our childhood circumstances. Like, I feel like I definitely get some kind of sick kink or adrenaline hit out of being used because it recreates this thing that I'm a victim and everybody uses me and I can't trust anyone and right. I, can, I should be alone. And, you know, it just totally reinforces this whole paradigm that I feel very safe in, my comfort zone. Um, and then I get to be the mother, the martyr, you know, and I it's my nightmare that to ever use anyone.
Like I never want to use anyone and I always want to do everything on my own and I always want to make sure I've earned everything. And there's a little bit of what I see going on in the pandemic on social media that feels very parasitic. It feels like people are using each other to get followers and which is what social media fucking is. True. You know, and it, it, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's business. Like it's just business. And, and, but I just, I realize I'm so insecure that people are going to think I'm using them or exploiting them, which is my nightmare and i i really want to take a look at it because it's coming up really hard like i am like terrified of asking my own friends about doing an ig live with them and they would have so much fun right and also that's absolutely true and the feeling of being used is probably i mean it's probably that's probably a hard thing to shake because i mean like out of like successful female comedians there's only there's like a handful of you so mm -hmm. all of you are probably feeling that way <laughs> because there's only so many of you to ask at yeah this yeah 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 and so I mean, there's that. And then on the other hand, if you are, I always feel this way because I feel like everybody has the fear, the fear of like failure or something not turning out good. But yeah. like, say you asked me to do this podcast, this job. But can I start, and then, can I put a pin in that? Yeah. That's the other thing. I don't want to put out sloppy work. And I appreciate when you guys, you know, send comments and you like just like, you know, Instagram stories and, you know, we're going to do this Zoom brunch on Sunday, which will probably be a sloppy mess. Like, I, you know, I'm not really preparing a bunch for these IG lives. Like, I know you guys like love that, but I, I never want to put out bad work for fans. Like I want every time somebody tunes into something I do for that to be time well spent, to feel like there was effort put into it, to feel like I'm not phoning in, to feel like I'm not just coasting, you know, and I feel like I'm seeing a lot of that as well. And I just never want to take advantage of fans like that. I take people that follow me. I take their time very seriously. Yeah, you do. And I mean, it shows. But I also think that it's good to take, I mean, if they're telling you that they like something, they're the believe them yeah believe them you they're guys the aren't ones a bunch are, of liars they're the ones that are watching it they're yeah. the ones that need to enjoy it so if, if you have a an overwhelming number of people saying i like this yeah then what does it say to be like well it's wrong yeah you know i mean that's the same thing what i was saying was like that fear of failure and that fear of like not making it like i think that that's almost insulting to the person asking you to do the job interesting the time. because like if you said benton do this podcast with me and, and i was just like why well, I, I probably can't do it or i don't know i don't know if i'll be good at it. even if i feel that way sometimes and i have to work through it me leaning into that says that i don't think you're good at picking out people that can do this oh, job i don't think you can do your good job. point i don't think you have good taste i don't think you can have a good i, I think for you to think this won't if i ask you to do something and you think you're gonna disappoint that yeah, makes all, yeah i have i make bad decisions yeah that just all i'm saying then is like well then you're you're not smart you didn't make a good decision mm -hmm. so now i'm thinking i can't do it and i'm thinking you're mad at your job but you know what i'm thinking it's just like i'm doing um uh, one of those cheer uh with the show cheer the cast of the show cheer i'm doing one of those uh, an ig live with them and they asked me and it was like delighting delighted me but then a lot of people are asking me to do these charity fundraisers. You know, I don't know where the money's going. I don't understand what all these live streaming things are. I think a lot of them have been like sloppy and kind of frankly embarrassing. And um, I think I'm I'm watching a lot of f millionaires from their mansions ask people to donate money and it makes me mm -hmm. very uncomfortable. That's my kink. I love when rich people ask me for money. <laughs> Like, I mean, Ooh. there was literally, you guys can probably figure out who it is. I was doing one of them and there was a celebrity who was literally leaning on a Rolls Royce making his video. Being like, guys, it's really hard. It's just any amount counts. I'm like, bitch, what did you donate? 
like celebrities yeah. not, which maybe you guys think I'm tacky because in the comedy store fundraiser I said hey guys I'm donating $5,000 I love that that's what I want really that, that is the that's the relatable thing well I didn't want to feel like I was because if I could I would so okay. I don't know that you're doing it that's relatable what's not relatable is being like Oh my God, you guys should donate because we're all doing it but together. But do guy, do famous people think that posting about a charity is a donation? You guys are donate. Like, I want to see the screen grab of of your cart, add to yeah. cart payment process. I want to see how much you donated. Yeah. Because I feel like celebrities think that they can just post about charities and not actually give that cash money. Yeah, you have to give the money. So I, I personally, when I get asked something like that, I instantly feel pressure anxiety dread dread but i never want to create that for another person so what i need to do is just not be afraid to ask people i just have to go you know what anyone who's emotionally well adjusted has worked on themselves is an awake person who has examined themselves they can say no if they yeah, want that's a great point they can say no you're putting a lot of pressure on you to make sure that somebody else is very comfortable but here's the secret the people you're asking they're famous with or without you they've had to say yes, yes. and no to things with or without they're you because like i asked kesha to do that ig live right yeah. and i and i instantly was like oh god does she feel like she has to and did it because she's you know i think she's just so great and she sent us that makeup and it was be so fun to do a makeup tutorial and like she had a great time but i spent like two days being like, oh God, am I pressuring her? What if she doesn't want to? She would just tell me. I, yeah, that's I can give her the dignity of her own experience. I can assume that everybody is an adult and will say no if they want to. Yeah, and that's okay. It's patronizing to assume that people are lying to me. I'm assuming that everybody is saying yes and then get off and getting off the phone going, oh, I just totally want to do, don't want to do this. That's what I do. So I'm assuming everybody else is as fucking immature as I am. Yeah, what I'm sure that, I mean, it looked like she had a great time. She yeah, we had, had a, a blast. wonderful, fun time. Yeah. And, you know, when you did carpool karaoke, they had no trouble asking for you. That's a very good point. That's the thing. Just, I think if I'm learning, ask, ask for help. Like, right now is the time we have to ask people to go get groceries for us. We have to ask people to wear a mask if they're not wearing a mask. We have to ask people to help us, you know, homeschool our kids or whatever. Like, yeah. this is a, uh, obviously the tragedy aside of this, this is a huge reckoning of having to ask for help and that is i'm realizing my biggest yeah and you can ask for help and be respectful if you would ask kesha to come on and then we're a mess and asking her like insane questions yeah. she didn't want to answer yeah. then you'd be a, a real shithead yeah yeah I, I, but I, all you did was get on there and have makeup and laugh with a bunch of people that enjoyed it that's yeah. all you did yeah i think i've spent so much time you know i grew up in an environment where i had to rely on other people a lot especially like you know, women that had to depend on men for money, for income, for roofs over our heads, to pay tuition. Like, we really had to rely on other people. And I told myself at a young age, you're never going to rely on anyone. You're going to fucking go all the way around the track. You're going to make it in this business on your own. No, you, know, you know, and I had so much in the beginning people being like, she sleeps her way to the top. As if that, as if you can fuck a guy and then be have, yeah, have I, 30 minutes of jokes that kill. I <laughs> as, hate when people say someone gave somebody... A a uh, career because you cannot give mm -hmm. someone a career at the very by least, the way to be clear if that worked i would have done it because i'm a business woman <laughs> right okay i i want to be very clear i do not look down on women that do that do whatever the fuck you have to do to get your bills paid i have no judgments i just don't think yeah. it works it toxifies your environment and actually i think hurts your career but if you it can't do it Men i'm not above women, either I'm, one you yeah. can't do it at the end of the day all you can do is say like I really like this person. I'm going to send out some invitations to their party, but they got to keep you at the party. Yeah. You kept people at your party. That's right. 
That's right. Yeah, networking is not a thing. It's not real. Like, because it's also, if you don't have something to sell or peddle, sleeping with people doesn't make a script get printed. Like, yeah. <laughs> like fucking a powerful person doesn't, you know, magically write a script. Like, you have to do the work. What are you writing in comedy? There is not. (laughs) There's nothing. There's no way you can be funny on stage for an hour because you sucked some guy's dick. It's just not how it works. Speaking of cum, I've been getting a lot of very (laughs) troubling ads on my Twitter. Twitter? For this product that says, got cum. And it's supposed to, like, increase the amount of cum (laughs) in your body. I don't think that's a real product. What's it? What's the brand called? Do you, are you low on cum? Uh, the, well, first of all, the picture, the before picture, looks like a lot of cum to begin with, and the after picture is just like grotesque. <laughs> what? So this is what have you been uh, doing online? That I think it's because I follow the cock destroyers. What's cock destroyers? <gasps> the two women from England, the cock destroyers, love them. What do they do? They destroy conks. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> they literally with are their like, mouths. They like well, they do a lot of charity, and they're very like uh, like. LGBTQ friendly all this stuff, but they are just really sexual, blonde, oh, two women. big lipped. I see them, women, yeah. And they say, and they talk British. And there's this video, oh, I very see iconic that. video of her having sex in a window in a nun costume, and she goes, "Sundays are for days of rest, but not for me." <laughs> and it's my favorite video. They're so funny. Yeah, I kind of get why you're getting marketed cum pills. Uh, you might want to switch up. It's like a gross thing. That, like, who's ever like, wish there was more? <laughs> yeah, not me. <laughs> I have never had a guy finish near me and been like, oh, that's not enough. I cum. wish this was a soup. <laughs> like, oh, I, I, wish, I wish I had more of that on my knee. Never thought that before. Um, Do we all right. have questions to answer? Will you make sure? Yeah, we have questions to answer, but um, yeah, we have to get moving because Anthony Jesselnick is on the show. I just, I feel like this is a very all over the place open because we didn't really prepare for this um, because it's been a wild week. Look, and you're telling them right now all the things we just talked about. You're like we weren't, we're not prepared. I know. Now I'm apologizing <laughs> to everybody. And I've, I've done nothing wrong. I'm just trying so hard to not eat almonds because uh, you guys rightly so chastised me for <laughs> eating oh. almonds on the show. That was disgusting, and I'm I feel bad. We're gonna do some advice for some uh, high school graduates real quick, but I also want to say to cameo. I have a little, I, I like burning bridges. I'm so, you know what? I don't give a fuck anymore. The pandemic has made me give so few fucks. You know, you, that you guys see that? We just went from giving a fuck to not giving a <laughs> fuck just like that. <laughs> when it comes to animal welfare, I can, all that shit goes out the window. Did you see that, that Doc Antle, the guy from the Tiger King, oh God. is on Cameo? Of course, they're famous. So, you know they are abusers. They're, what they're doing is all abuse. I've been over this before. I'm not going to recapitulate this over and over again. I don't want to be annoying about it. But it's all abuse. They kill the moms. They drug them. They abuse them, right? So, he's on. they've been trying to get me on Cameo for years to do Cameo. And I'm like, maybe I should do it to raise money for charity. Or, so, you know, like maybe there's a way I can do Cameo videos. I'm happy to do birthday videos for you guys for free. Honestly, just text me. Um, 818-239-7527. I've never texted you, so... <laughs> Monster. Um, so text me there. I'll send you free birthday videos. If I see your text, I will. Ask Benton because this is pissing me off. Doc Antle, the guy from Tiger King, is now on Cameo making a bunch of money. I sent them an article about how the Cubs were found to have ringworm, all the illegal shit he does. And I wrote... Oh, wow. Did they delete my... Ma- oh, I wrote... DM them. Hey guys, you know Doc Antle has a legal record and abuses animals, right? They wrote back, hey Whitney, big fans of you over here. Cameo has over 35,000 talent on the platform. <laughs> From the biggest drag queens in the world 
to the stars of recent Netflix docu-series and shows. We do not. Why are you laughing? Because how does that have anything to do with what you said or you? Nothing. We do not endorse any personality's personal views, as we are just a platform that connects fans to their favorite people. We'd love to get you started when you're ready. Like Pornhub. Hey, Cameo. Fuck you. Now, Fuck. do you think they would have sent Meryl Streep the same message? Meryl, we have tons of drag queens and documentaries. Why are you bringing drag queens into this? <laughs> yeah, from, leave them alone. From They're... the biggest drag queens. Are you trying to seem tolerant? Are you trying to... <laughs> they know that that I support LGBTQ. Like, they're yeah. trying to get me to be like, oh. oh my God, you know what? Never mind. I'm so sorry. I You do support drag queens, yeah. so I'm just going to let the abuse of animals slide. Also, we love drag queens. We didn't send you an article about them, did we? No, they're fine. I have no problem with the drag queens. You don't. You don't get points for supporting <laughs> drag queens. Yeah. By the way, as if I'm going to be like, oh, never mind. You're not homophobic. You I just love that they they lump them in with documentary, but people in documentaries. So you the mean these performers? Recent docu no. I, by the way, first of all, I know what the fucking app is. I know exactly what it is. I know who's yeah. on it. All I do is make fun of the people on it. So I know. I know which comedians are on it. I know which actresses are on it. I'm trying to point out to you that you are assisting animal abusers in getting money, and I think it's fucking lame. Mm -hmm. Didn't hear anything you said, but love to get you started. Love to get you started. Imagine if I was like, oh, my God. So sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. I... I got confused. Oh, uh, was I, that an that, opinion? <laughs> Fuck off, bitch. I'd love to get you started. <laughs> now that I know that you have drag queens on there, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. I, the I seal, just, the comparison. Like, I would just like to let you guys know, again, I will send you birthday messages for free. I'm not using Cameo. Okay? Yeah. It's going to cost me money to send you guys birthday messages. <laughs> That's how pissed off at them I am. It's so easy to not give a platform to animal abusers. It's so easy to not do that. I don't like that shit. Sorry, I know this hasn't been very funny. Anthony's funny, I swear, when he comes on very soon. I think we should give some um, uh, uh, answers to some of the questions that we asked on Instagram because someone said, yeah. any advice for recent high school graduates? Because it's graduation time, isn't it? And I think we especially need to do this because um, graduates are now having to Zoom graduate. It's like a nightmare. I would love to Zoom graduate. <laughs> My graduating class, they had to let all of us walk because so many people failed. They couldn't <laughs> let the ones that pass walk or the, or the graduation would be too short. It would have been 12 people. 12 people out of 35 people graduated. Can you believe that? Yes, I kind of can. So they weren't allowed to come? Only four of us went to college from my school, from my grade. Mm -hmm. Not that matters, but I just want to now point out. Now you're just out. bragging. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> it worked out great. I'm a doctor. Um. <laughs> All right. Here's my advice for recent high school graduates. Do not, under any circumstances, send nude photos of yourself to anyone. Yeah. Is that maybe your doctor? I'm... <laughs> Actually, I know you're not going to take that advice. So when you take nude photos of yourself, crop your head out and cover the tattoo. And watermark it with your Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> so that way they know where to send that cash money. And if you do it, make some cash money. Get on OnlyFans quick. You know quick. what? Charge for the nudes. How about that? Yeah. When that guy you're texting with is like, hey, can I see a photo you asked? You go, yeah, 40 bucks. Hit my Venmo. Yeah, you could be the new Playboy. Yes. I love this. That's called a money move. That's the oldest thing I've ever said. Uh, oh, when you're looking for a new apartment, always before you sign the lease, make a phone call from the apartment. Make sure, oh. it, ha make sure it has good cell phone reception. 
Yeah. I've done this before where I sign the lease. I'm like, this apartment's perfect. It's the perfect price. You don't have Wi-Fi. You don't have good cell phone reception. And you're walking out of the garage to make a phone call every five minutes. That is a great one. I also like to ask my neighbors if they can hear me crying (laughs) through the wall. I like to just, hey, can you hear me? Did you hear that? No, no, I can. I I'll can take stop. it. Wrap I, it up. I can stop a little louder. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. At a gas station, the green gas pump is diesel. Do not use that gas pump unless you have a diesel car. Been there. Cost me six grand. It's a $6,000 mistake. I had just gotten a new car, pulled up. Saw the pumps, blue, black, green, green. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what happened. I went green. Green, like for the environment. This is like the green gas. This Mm -hmm. is like the eco-friendly clean gas is what my brain thought. Let me tell you what your brain really said, because I know. She pulled up to this gas pump. She saw other people pumping gas, and she was like, I don't have time for this. And went (laughs) to the only pump that was open and was like, I'll take it. That's what happened. <laughs> well, it also, they work so hard to make sure that that mistake doesn't happen. They make the nozzle bigger and I it didn't fit in. And I was like, oh, well, then I'll just hold it. So I just held it and let it water fall out. Because <laughs> oh. I was like, I just was like, oh, they haven't updated their gas tank. Like, I have such a new car that they just haven't updated. Like, if something doesn't fit, don't force it. There's <laughs> It means there's something wrong. Like, I just was like, I literally held it up and let it just spurt into the You're hole. You're like, ma'am, your car's electric. Why are you pouring gas in your window? <laughs> Truly, it was a hybrid. And then I, I it, six thousand dollars is how much it cost them to redo the entire thing so just something if you're fitting a something trying to jam something in shouldn't work don't do it it's great advice i know i know everyone's thinking about butts right now that's not what i'm talking about best way to cut a cake dental floss oh see i think it's really cute that you cut your cakes (laughs) i just go for the whole thing it is my cake it's my body i'll cry if i want to my body by choice (laughs) <laughs> untangling a necklace explain it benton oh so this is great so this is actually if you don't want to tangle your necklace when you're traveling if you take a straw not a plastic straw you monster no if you take a straw and you put the necklace down through the straw and then clasp it it'll keep it from getting tangled you can just pack them in a little line this is a genius life hack okay we don't use plastic straws because they murder turtles but benton i had this necklace that kept tangling kept tangling just dangled it right through the straw. Clasped yep, it. And you clasp it and you can just travel with it like that. Toss it in your purse, whatever you need to do. Never get a tattoo a judge can see. No neck tattoos. I would love a neck tattoo. Nope. I tried to get a tattoo the other day. No joke. From some tattoo artist that was doing it out of his home and it was all quarantine safe or whatever. Uh, Brendan Schaub uh, gave me his number. And I... <laughs> Sounds <laughs> great. I know. Already <laughs> what a red, plan. Already a red flag. And... Uh, I was making the appointment and he texted me and went, uh, hey, maybe don't go to that tattoo appointment because a tattoo artist just got um, charged for murder. <laughs> this is named Ink Master, Daniel Silva. Oh my God, I just read about that. Yes. I was oh, like, why was he getting tattooed? I was like, can you give me a quick tattoo of my dog on my this forearm is, before he goes to jail? I or? take tattoos very seriously. And the fact that every, these people that want these willy nilly right now tattoos, uh-huh. you deserve to be murdered. <laughs> it's disrespectful. I think, as I think he form. wasn't murdered. He murdered someone, I think is what happened. His name is Daniel Silva. He does very beautiful work. 
And he also became instantly hotter when I found out he was accused of murder. Is that sick? Yes, probably. Going to call him a therapist. If you get stung by a jellyfish, don't let anyone pee on the jellyfish sting. That's not a real thing. Fool me once. Fool me once. Don't let anyone pee on you. Just as a general rule. I'm going to say it. I've been peed on. Uh, by the way, I love that I'm looking into a camera that's yeah, What rolling. are you looking at? I'm looking at the camera. I've been peed on. I'm going to say it. I'm 37 years old. Like of course, admitting to of, a crime. Of course I've been peed on. And it was, I, 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 I was like, you know what? If this is important to you, I'll let it happen. But it's going to happen in the shower while the shower's on. And Dude, that feels like codependency for sure. It's very much so. If this is important to you, if me being a human urinal it means a lot to you, then babe, I'll do that, babe. <laughs> babe. <laughs> Babe, I'll do it, babe. I was like, let's do a happy medium. Because guys pee on women in the shower all the time anyway. We're always getting peed on in the shower. So I was like, let's just do it in the shower. Had to kind of make it his idea. I was like, go for it. I'll sit down on the little nook and you can go for it. Class it up. Class it Class up. Class it up, Whitney. That was me classing it up. I cried my legs crossed the whole time. And my hands. <laughs> I'm a lady. <laughs> I'm a urine woman. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the second he started peeing on me, I burst out laughing and totally ruined the moment. Oh, before that, the moment was something. Uh, Perfect. Uh, you just looked at a camera? Yeah, I'm with, with a lens cap on it also. Ben and I are fully looking into cameras. Okay, we have to get this advice out. Uh, high school graduates, never ever give your boyfriend money to make an album. <laughs> ever. That's very specific. Do not wear shorts to work unless you are in the postal service or the MBA. Yeah, that's a great advice. Also, don't wear shorts to a theater. <laughs> Just don't wear shorts. <laughs> that's my hot take. <laughs> Never cut your own bangs. Haven't seen it work out yet. <laughs> uh, if you freeze your eggs, which you should if you can, make sure you write down the name of the clinic where they live, <laughs> where they've hatched, so you can find them when the time comes. I made the mistake of not picking up that business card. <laughs> For a couple of years, couldn't remember where exactly they were. They were Carmen San Diego. Had to, had to track them down. Okay, make sure you know where your eggs live. Yeah, go visit. And uh, Google wine ice cubes. That's my advice. Have you ever had a wine ice cube? Uh, no. You've never made wine ice cubes. I what haven't. kind of? What kind of? You know what, like vodka. Nashville and freezes. You've never made a vodka ice cube. Vodka doesn't freeze, does it? I don't know. Pretty sure it does not. We are terrible. I, I do think I am maybe an alcoholic. Wine does. It's a weird time to like admit that. this. I have been drinking so much in quarantine, I'm alarmed. I'm worried about myself. I don't think you're an alcoholic. Okay. For sure. Okay. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. No. and that's I have been sending you some crazy texts. Yeah. <laughs> no, alcohol, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> the, other day, the other day, you texted me at four in the morning and you said, you think Bora Bora is safe? <laughs> and I was like, what? And you're like, can you look up? To see if Borbor is open, I was like, "It's definitely closed." The first thing that comes up on the website, and you were like, "Not safe." That's all you wrote back. Not safe. All right. I, I mean, I definitely have been gallivanting with a younger man, um, at odd hours in the night and drinking. Not proud of any of this. You're just trying to fit in. I, and I, I mean, I drunkenly asked my vet to take out my IUD. What? I could have done that. No, you know how to take out an IUD. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. <laughs> First of all, you get up on this table, I guarantee you I can get that IUD out. Safe and efficient. We'll with, live it. With what tool? I'll live that shit. I'll use, that, that's uh, I'll use that Sharpie and those scissors. 
Oh, fuck. I'll use my teeth. I will I, get that IUD and I swear to you. This is my dream. My dream was to be a, a neonatal surgeon. This is pretty close. Really? Yeah, hell yeah. Because I was like, okay, I can't tour until January 2021. Maybe I should get pregnant and have a kid. And I forgot I have a freaking IUD in and I can't go to the gynecologist to get it taken out. So I texted my vet drunkenly and was like, hey, do you know how to take out an IUD? And the next morning I woke up and he had not responded. <laughs> you do a handstand, I'll reverse Heimlich that IUD out of you. How about that? Look, I bet you could do it. We got those new knives, those new Japanese knives down there. Yeah, we don't even need an knife. We got those Chrissy Teigen tongs. Oh, we have that that clamper we use for your makeup. We have a clamper that we made the Revlon video with. We've got lots of matches. We've got almonds. I do feel like we could figure it out because I I I know we can. I know it sounds like I'm joking, but I seriously think that I could maybe have a kid during this time. So, uh, what are you? Will you make the announcements, please? Because I've been making them. Yeah, I thought this was fucking horrible. I thought this was nice. Um. Nice. Yeah, I thought it was nice. I thought we had a nice time. I missed your subtle negs. <laughs> they're not negs. People get really mad when I say like they'll be like, "How are you?" I'm like regular. <laughs> I miss your normal. I miss your <laughs> your casual negativity. It's not negative. I, I think things. Something as nice is really good. Lovely. This was lovely. Okay, but you sound sarcastic. Do I just have I just have not seen you in so long? <laughs> I forgot this how was your I personality. Sound. This was lovely. You sound like you're mocking me. Um, yeah, I had a wonderful time. Thank you. Uh, I believe lovely. that. Believe that. I'm really happy we could uh, get Kelly and Ryan back together. <laughs> uh, I want you guys to make sure that you like, you comment, you subscribe, you don't ride elephants. Yes. Um, you, you know, send encouraging messages. To you? To, you know, whoever may need them. Whitney, me. Um, Okay. And that's all. Oh yeah, we have some. Uh, we have some merch currently for sale right now that goes to charity, Feeding America. Uh-huh. That's really fun. We worked on, and then we have some merch coming out pretty soon for Pride. That we've been working pretty hard on. That's pretty fun. What is some ideas for merch? Should we? Everyone wants a bap 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 thing. Yeah, and they want a class it up shirt too. People, oh really? Yeah, people want that. Let's do that. I think they, they're also saying they want more options, more colors, phone cases, things like that. I need a phone case. Yeah, yeah, you do. Your pop socket? Yeah. We'll get another one. Um, okay, so like, subscribe. Jim Jeff. Uh, no, nope. no. No, <laughs> Anthony Jesselnick. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. This was really fun, wasn't it? She's gone now, but I thought we had a really good time. Okay, bye. I love you guys. Okay, are we ready? By the way, we can cut anything out later. Sure. You want, obviously. I've never once done that, but you'll... have you not? Yeah, no. I'm You've never. Done. I'm always like, go for it. Let's see. Let's see what happens. You've never gone on a podcast and uh, later been like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh yeah, I've done that, but I've never <laughs> been. But I've been like, let the dice fall where they may. Like the point of being a comedian is you don't have to worry about that shit. Yeah. Like talking to the New York Times, I told my manager, and she was like, I told him no comment. What did you say? And I was like, <laughs> we'll find out next week. Like I don't know. I don't know. Um. Okay. I always start the podcast with asking the guests if we're friends. Are we friends? Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Like, are we good friends? I mean, I don't know that that much about you, but we're good friends. Like, we're good comedy friends. Yeah. In that we started together. And so I was, like, thinking about this on the way over here, that, like, we started together. Mm-hmm. And we had a bond right away, even mm-hmm. though we didn't talk that much. Mm-hmm. And that I felt like you and I were both much better than we should have been at the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Like, Ooh. even when we were at open mics, mm-hmm. like, we were the best at the open mics. That I, We, like, kind of just, like, noticed each other and we're like, Okay, like uh-huh. you're, you're just you gravitate toward the people who are also good because you see so many people who are yeah. hopeless and the people that are working hard too. Yes, working hard, have different stuff, and yeah. are just like trying new things, not doing the same thing that That's bombs. Right. That's right. 
And then I felt like we solidified our friendship where I was like friends for life after the roast of Donald Trump. Yes. When I sat next to you mm-hmm. and you and I was like nervous, this is my big break and you were so kind to me and you could have been like, you know, like, it's like, I love Jeff Ross. He's like a brother to me. Yeah. But when you're getting ready for a roast, it's like, where's Ross performing? Cause I'm gonna go on the other side of yes, town. That's right. <laughs> I don't want him to see my jokes. Yes. But with you, you was like very like, like we're in this together. Like we're friends. What do you need to know? Yeah. Let me give you a piece of advice that I was like, oh, like you're not trying to sabotage me to make yourself look better. That after that, I was like, I love Whitney forever. Like there's nothing you could do that would uh, that would lower our friendship now. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I always just because I feel like so many of these podcasts, we go on each other's podcasts and everyone like pretends they're like besties. And I just like the audience to hear from the other person, not from me. Like, you know, when you hear you go on a podcast and someone's like, so anyway, this girl's a really good friend of mine. I'm like, uh, easy. You can tell when I don't like agree with like the person will try it. <laughs> yeah, but like, so we've been great friends forever. Right. And I'm just like, <laughs> I just can't bullshit. I just can't. Like once Joe Rogan told me that like Ari <laughs> Shafir is a great comic. And then we just stared at each other for like, for like 15 minutes. And I was like, I don't know what you expect me to do now, but I'm just going to. Like, I like. So here's my deal with you. When I first met you, I think I was very intimidated by you. I'm sure people tell you that a lot mm-hmm. because I had no ability to tolerate silence from another person. It just it was like a Rorschach test. Like you're very much a Rorschach test to me. If people are like, Does Anthony like me, I'm like, you hate yourself. And if people are like love that guy, I'm like, OK. Yeah. You're emotionally stable because I feel like you really probably bring out people's nasty inner monologue with how little uh, and and uh, you give in a fake way. Yes. I, 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 it's hard for me to be fake. And I have a resting bitch face, <laughs> which like which I don't mind. People are like, it's also very handsome. Thank you. You're very handsome. Thank you. But I'm like, I've heard like my eye contact is intense. It's very like, intense. Like Bobby Kelly once told me. I'm about to start crying. We're at the comedy cellar table and he's like, you look like you just thought of the worst insult you could say to me. <laughs> and you're just choosing not to say it. But I was like, I don't mind this. Like, I don't mind. Like, I'm not going to like disabuse you of that. Yeah. Uh, of that assumption. Well, you always make me realize how fake most people are. Because I'm like, Anthony's not a dick. Everyone else is just fake and phony. Yeah. I'm like, how are you? Oh my God, Anthony, what's going to leave your shit? You're just like, what's up? Yeah. And I was like, is he mad? No, everyone else was just full of shit. Yeah, people would be like, you're so nice. And I'm like, I'm not that nice. I'm just way <laughs> nicer than you think I'm going to be. Right. You know? And so when I first met you, I think I was very confused by you because I, at the, I mean, we must have been, what, 22, 23? Uh, 23, yeah. I didn't know what to do with male attention. Like I only knew how to like flirt or try to manipulate or use sex as power or entrench. And you were very um, like you could be friends with women mm-hmm. and you had like girlfriends that were, you know, and you were just like, hey, you just were respectful and platonic. And I, I just didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was I've, like, is this a game? What is <laughs> I've heard that from a lot of female comics that like they're like you treat people like women. You treat women like people. Yes, yes. And I was like, I just had a lot of sisters. Like I just this is how I talk to women that I never thought like, oh, the fucking this bitch over here. Like, that's why I hated the comedy store for so long mm. because everyone there were, were just like such jerks to women. Like a woman would walk by in the hallway and they would be like, with all these comments and I was like, yes. what are you guys doing? Like work on your act. Like what, yes. what is this place that I just wanted nothing to do with it? See, this is, you're making me realize when I first met you, you were so nice and fair. Like you treated 
men, female comics and male comics equally. And I think I was, I assumed you were flirting, but you're actually just being nice mm -hmm. and respectful. I get that a lot. And I, <laughs> I didn't understand what, it's like, well, he was just so nice to me. I mean, we, I mean, and then, but then what? Then nothing, then nothing would happen. I was like, oh, that was weird. I guess he's just mind playing with my head. Is that a mind game? And it was like, no, it's just someone being respectful. Yeah. I, I didn't just, know. I didn't know what that was back then. I just like comedians, and I treat them all the same. Yes. You know, like if yes. you're a comic, I don't care if you're male or female. Like we have a bond that we can almost talk in a shorthand. So true. That confuses some people. Like I always say, I'm closer to a comedian I've never met than the person I'm in a relationship with. Mm -hmm. Which is very confusing. Which I think is it, it's hard. I think for people that we get in intimate relationships with, because there's always going to be a bunch of strangers that are closer to me than you will ever be. Yes. And I also found that a lot of female comics would, y younger female comics, would flirt for no reason. Like flirt to network. Uh -huh. And some people would like fall for that. And I just saw through it. I'm like, I know what you're doing. Interesting. And I'm just going to like stand here and like, I'm like a brick wall. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to even reciprocate this. But I'm like, I'm just kind of watching you flail. Yeah. And it happened a lot that I just yes. never engaged. But I also wasn't like, I think she likes me. It's like. That's just what they're doing to right, try to get a spot. Right, just bad childhood. Just, yeah, yeah keep moving. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, I think for the longest time, it, it was hard to negotiate. Like, okay, I have this urge to make strangers love me. And technically, I'm sitting around with a bunch of comics. Like, I need to turn it off when I'm with comics, especially male comedians. But the second they call my name up, I have to turn it right on. See, people, people hated me so much. Really? In the beginning, yeah. Like, imagine, like, remember me at, like, 23 Yes. You know what I mean? Like just like a like a like yes. just like a like a pretty little boy. You know what else is the problem with you? Me. Is you walk in slow motion. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't know that about you. <laughs> you walk in like you're like uh, one of the girls from Baywatch running, and it everything stops. Like when you walk into a room, you're very handsome, the eyes and the hair and the whole thing, and you're Anthony now or whatever. But you also just walk so slow. That it's it's just very disarming and it's a very um like silverback alpha thing to do even though I don't think you're doing it on purpose. No, it's just the way I walk. And there's no desperation emanating from you. And I think that when someone's emanating like a need or a desperation, it's easy to lock into that frequency. And you just have this like bulletproof orb around you that's just like I'm full. I get my internal needs met internally. Don't need anything from anyone. And I think it's just like. Fuck that guy. He doesn't need anything from me. And part of that is just like preparing for the stage. You know, yeah. being on stage was so like, was just like uh, the adrenaline came that I was like, I'm going to prepare for this like before I even walk in the room. Interesting. But I was like already getting ready to get on stage. That afterwards, you would find me much more chatty, you know, yeah. than I would be beforehand. Beforehand, yeah. I'm just like, mm hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. But then after the show, it's like, yeah, what's up? Like, let's, what's going on? Let's yeah. get a drink, you know? This was also around the time where that book came out called The Game where it was like guys would neg women mm -hmm. like they would what was it you would uh say something was wrong with their face or something yes. was a big one like your nose is kind of big that's and right. they'd be like oh i need this guy to like me <laughs> yeah that's this is how guys that couldn't get laid would insult pretty girls in order to fuck with them because they're used to just getting you know mm -hmm. unadulterated attention and compliments they would say like one of your ears is bigger than the other or whatever i love that book because i just thought it was funny you know it was just like, <laughs> hilarious to read but i had to because i was like i was on the road at the time and i had to put duct tape over the cover because it looked like a bible and i was like i can't be reading this as if i'm like like hmm like gotta highlight that it was like i'm reading this for, as like a joke yeah, yeah but i can't have people see me reading it and so uh, it's interesting because i feel like uh i hope this doesn't come off the wrong way i probably will like you have not changed in terms of your 
demeanor since I first, like you've all, like to me now looking back, I'm like, you were always so emotionally healthy. I assume everybody was a mess in their twenties. Like, I just don't see you having been a mess in your twenties. A little bit of one. Yeah. Really? A little bit of one. Yeah. I mean, I was like a big, I was like a bigger drinker. I just took comedy so seriously. Yes. Yeah. And I saw people who didn't. Like, I was very much like, I looked for, what do you call it? Um, what do you call like someone who's an example of what not to do? A um, cautionary tale. Okay. I was going to say a name and I realized I shouldn't. I saw so many cautionary tales that it was just like, don't be like that. Don't mm -hmm. be like that. Like, I looked for idols, people I could like, like, oh, I, wa I want to take this thing from that person, this thing from that person. Yeah. But I saw a lot of things not to do. Yeah. No, you know? I and feel like. And I just like, knew not to do that. Yeah. I feel like we started at a time where we saw a lot of people that should have gone further in their uh, decisions in their personal life thwarted that. Mm -hmm. I think you and I both f treated comedy like it was a job and not a party. That's you know? correct. We can party later, but when I'm at a fucking open mic, yep. like this is not a party. I, I want to get through this. I mean, and we were doing, I think a lot of people don't understand like, I mean, I was driving to Culver City at 5 p.m. to put my name in a bucket to go up at 6 p.m. for three minutes. I mean, I remember the first time I saw you, I am almost, I'm sure we saw each other at M Bar like a lot, like socially, um, but it was at a like a sushi restaurant. And there was a Tiger Lily? It wasn't Tiger Lily on Vermont. It was like um uh it was like a a block. I mean, it was like a wooden platform we had to step up on. Uh, and it was like a Tuesday night show. It was like at once a month on a Tuesday night, whatever, just silly MySpace show, whatever it was. And I remember seeing you get up and it was um, like a wooden box that was kind of uneven. And everyone would get up and be like, oh, in the box and make some dumb joke. And you just got up, didn't really shake for you. Like you were not interested in the box being a part of your act. Like you were not letting the room be a joke. You were the only person that didn't spend the first three minutes making fun of the restaurant. You yeah. just like had your shit, like did your shit. And like that was it. Yeah. You're like, I'm not doing crowd work. I'm not going to waste any of my time up here. And I was like, oh, Jesus, that motherfucker. He's not joking. Yeah. Who wants to do crowd work at an open mic? It's like, that just <laughs> means you don't have the material. It's like, I'm trying these jokes out yeah. to find out what's going to work for the next like real show. And I, yeah, I just, it was very clear. You were just like wasting no time, mm -hmm. you know, but it's interesting because I also, I think in the beginning, I would get very insecure around you because I couldn't find a way in. Like I realized when not so not so much because I know that much about you. It's more that I knew how, looking back now, I know how sick someone was in their 20s based on how close I was able to get to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the craziest people would entrench with me and have like, you know, crazy addictive affairs and bender and whatever. Like I just couldn't get close to you. <laughs> it was just, it. it's just so interesting that there was just, there's like no way in. And I look back and I just, I think, in the beginning, I thought like, oh, he must be so dark. He must be so mean. He and now I look back and I was like, no, I think you were actually the healthiest person in the room. It just took, it took me a long time to make comedian friends. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I got into comedy. Like part of it was to become friends with comedians. I loved comedians. And I like, you know, how like you're on stage and you introduce the next comic. Yeah. You guys shake hands or you used to. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then you would whisper something in the person's ear. Yeah. They'd like laugh for a second yeah, and then yeah. walk off. I wanted to know what they were saying. And that's one of the reasons I got into comedy. And when I started, people just avoided me. Like I was, I looked like a pretty rich kid, even though mm -hmm. I had no money. Mm -hmm. I people would just like avoided me, like I was, like I was, uh, 
Like I was not going to be around very long. It's almost like the new guys get to war and it's like, you're probably going to get killed. I don't want to get to know you. Interesting. And so it took a long time until I became accepted. Mm -hmm. You know, I still kind of feel like I'm a little bit on the outside mm -hmm. looking in with a lot of the comedy community. Really? Because I'm not like, I'm a piece of shit. Like I'm not self-deprecating uh -huh. ever. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are. That's is that an, a choice? Is that a conscious choice? I think it's partly organic and partly a choice. Like I like being so dark mm -hmm. was partly a choice and partly organic. Like my whole childhood, I would they were like, "That's too dark." Like you're like you're obsessed with these dark things, and I was like, "Why is that a problem?" The greatest philosophers of all time have been obsessed with death. Yeah. Why is it weird that I am? Yeah. And it made me feel bad about it. That I was like, okay, like let me lean into that. Yeah. And not being self-deprecating, I just saw so many people who were, mm -hmm. and it seemed hard. I hated like attractive people who were like, "Can't find a girlfriend." You're like, so "I'm like, annoying. I'm not doing that." Yeah, you know what I mean? So annoying. That it was so many people did it, and it just seemed funnier to me not to. Yeah, well, the jokes and the surprise is the thing everybody's not doing. When you come out and you're like, "This joke's about to blow your mind," you're like, "Oh shit, that's just so." funny because everyone's like i hope you like this joke you know it's just the opposite of what everyone was doing for so long i used to open for people like i opened for like doug benson brian mm, oh, yeah. sarah silverman and i would open with i would walk out and i would go i don't know who your favorite comedian is <laughs> but you're about to trade up and everyone is like what the f who the fuck is this this guy's the opener <laughs> like i treated it like i was the headliner and after we were like, God damn, like that's a good line. I also, it took me so long to realize that people that are dark, ostensibly, whatever that even means, those in a weird way, like as I get to know you better, are in a weird way the lightest people, Yes. right? Because you get it out. It's the people that are seem the sunniest and ostensibly seem the happiest. Those are the motherfuckers you got to worry about. Mm -hmm. It's like you can't be that happy all the time. No. I don't believe it. The shoe's going to drop. The yeah. Damocles sword is going to fall. Yeah. And so that's part of the reason that I like, now that I sort of have like worked enough on myself to be able to see things clearly and not be threatened by healthy, p secure people that I trust you, I think, more than I would trust the average person because you're just like openly dark. I'm like, oh, there's no secrets here. They're mm -hmm. all out. Yeah. And I th I also thought like in the beginning, how, like I'm, I'm in the law. I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah. Like what is how can my act play at 23 and still play at 43? Yeah. You know, and because you see some comics who are like, do like the college thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when you get into your thirties, like it gets sad and it's like, <laughs> it's like weird to watch I that I wanted something that would be able to age, uh, age gracefully. Let me um, also admit to you that I, it's interesting. I used to kind of think that if you were a guy's favorite comedian, it was a red flag. I, I saw, but some... now it's literally, if you're not, I'm like, uh, you don't get it. I saw a tweet. Someone was like, uh, "Oh, like on like looking at Tinder, like, oh, you uh, like dark humor? Does that mean you think Anthony Jeselnik is funny, or that you hate women? You know what I mean? Because some people think that dark is like synonymous with misogyny, or they'll something. they'll be like so racial slurs. How often do you use them? And I'm like, I don't. Like, what do you? They're like, but you're dark, and I'm like, yeah, I'm dark. Dark's about death. It's not about racism. Uh -huh. you, you can be a feminist and be dark. That's right. That's right. You know that people didn't get that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I do feel like. I get that as well. Like, and maybe it's because I was on the roast or, you know, whatever it is. It's people also, like, I got that with self deprecation because of what we did on the roast. And I laugh when people call me a cunt and ugly and old that it gave people permission to just be like, hey, cunt, like in the airport. And I'd be like, no, not the same thing. Oh, yeah. Not the same thing. I get all the time. I get, because like the jokes about us, like, are, it's different. Because yeah. like for a woman, it's like, you're going to be the whore. Yes, They're going to call you ugly. Right. Um, but for guys, like, there wasn't that much they could say. 
You know, no, you're impossible to write jokes about. Plus, I wish no, I looked up what the jokes know. I wrote about you. I've totally- the one, like the one joke that people repeat to me all the time is Patrice O'Neill <laughs> being like, "Go get me a turkey leg, you fucking nothing. You look like a medieval, like a medieval times waiter." <laughs> and I laughed, but I like truly didn't get it. I, I was like, "What do medieval I, times waiters I, look like?" I don't know. I, t- I don't get it either. But if anyone but Patrice said it, I, I probably yeah. wouldn't think. I mean, I laughed at the time, but people yeah. say it to me, and I'm like. What do you want from me right now? Yeah. Like, uh, I've heard that joke. Like, when Patrice said it to me, I laughed and it was like, cool. Yep, yep, yep. But now when you're saying it back to me, like, I'm with Jeff Ross and people come up and insult him all the time with old insults. And he's very pleasant about it. But I thought, like, for people like you and Lampanelli, like, mm-hmm. I was like, that must suck so much yeah. to have, like, it's like I, w- I want to talk to you about the roasts because you and I both just did three mm-hmm. and then got the fuck out. And I yeah. think like they both made like they started our careers mm-hmm. for sure. Yes. But then it was like, all right, I'm done with these. And I couldn't imagine what would bring me back. Ever. Well, it's interesting because I wanted to bring this up. But because I remember one of my favorite things I've ever seen on a roast was you uh, on the Trump roast and just coming up, just killing, killing, killing. I mean, killing. And then you just brutal, savage, right? The best. And then uh, you went, Lisa Lambanelli, you're cool. <laughs> It's just like one of my favorite Rose moments, which is such a comedian's favorite joke. Yes. <laughs> I have I have never made fun of a female of, of a of a woman's appearance on a roast except for once. Once I did it. Like I've which always one? been careful. Marley Matlin. <laughs> because I thought it was you know, so that's... funny to cr- to like and it was right before I did the Lampanelli, you're cool. Yeah, yeah. And I so I was like, I've got to gear up to make Lampanelli like think it's really? about yes, someone's yes, coming. Yes, yes. And I found out afterwards she was like, I saw a different therapist just for you. Like when I found out you were gonna be in the roast, I looked you up and I was like, This guy's such an asshole, he's gonna kill me. Lampanelli. Yeah. And then afterwards was just like so happy. Her husband was like, Thank you so much. And yeah. I was like, What do you mean? I was just trying to be funny. I know after that roast, uh, we went up to her room. By that time, I was friends with Lisa Lampanelli. You know, Lisa Lampanelli, for those of you that, that don't know, I'd be surprised, but was, you know, the queen of the roast for, you know, the longest time. And then when we started doing them, we were like sort of the kids. And I just thought of her as the toughest, most steel-balled, yes. you know, she's Lisa Lampanelli and she has the biggest laugh. And then she comes out and just destroys everyone at the end after they've destroyed her. I mean, she closed most of the roast for a while, which is like kind of like the spot you get when you're the and she closed back before they used to cross-reference jokes you know what i mean like oh, toward the end wow. they would be like everyone turn your jokes in and they would come to you and be like whitney actually someone who's going before you has this joke i'm gonna explain David what that Hasselhoff's means telling this because i'd want to hear it. that basically means like before you'd have to show the producers and the writers your jokes so that no one repeated jokes because when i when i did the joan rivers roast my first Roast, no one, we didn't do that. And I just sat there as other comedians yes. went up and just basically did similar premises. Oh, there's an eight. Greg Geraldo did a fucking brilliant AIDS quilt joke. Mine, you know, I have to cut, cut my, you're just sitting there cutting jokes while you're shooting. Mm-hmm. You work so hard on crafting this sort of perfect set and then people start biting all the premises. Yeah. So Lampanelli going last, she yes. was just like, like it was yes. just like, she would have to do tri- yes. triple the work of anybody else. Last is like the scariest spot because you know every reference is going to be done, especially if there's something in the zeitgeist topical OJ or, you know, something, someone dies or there's some, you know, like everyone's going to try to get to that. A 9-11 joke, everyone's going to try to do that reference first. Yeah. Yeah. So you and I, I, I okay, we're going to talk about the rest in a second. I also, I feel like I was annoyed that we weren't closer friends until the roast. 
Like I was a little bit like, how come we're not, like I feel like we should be friends, right? We covered that. And then we get to the roasts and you had written on a roast before though. Yes, I wrote for Hasselhoff. Okay, that's right. And I was, I was on Hasselhoff. Okay, I remember that. I remember that. And then how did you get the job on the roasts? They like literally halfway through the Hasselhoff thing, they were like, maybe we'll bring in Anthony. Cause I was like, I was killing it. Like I came in yes. and the jokes, they were like loving my jokes yes. and Comedy Central really liked me. Yeah. Liz Porter yeah. was in charge of it, was like, Love maybe it. it should be Anthony. Yeah. And they, Jeff Ross said, I've heard this later. He was like, Anthony's been giving away his best stuff for two weeks. Like let's let, put him on the next one and not put him on this one. Hmm. And I was okay with that. But so they had me do warm. Remember I had to do warm up for the Hasselhoff roast, it made me walk out while the dais was out there. Pam Anderson is not having me and they're, oh. they're cutting to her reaction shots. Remember when she tried to get up after my set oh. and leave? Oh, she, it was so, <laughs> and I remember being in the writer's room and all the jokes about how ugly she is now. And I'm like, guys, I don't think she's ugly. And then yeah. she showed up and looked smoking hot. Fucking gorgeous. That every joke just bombed and people just kept on doing it. She came up to me uh, right before the roast and went, you know, my kids are going to be watching this. And I was like, no, no, no. You're, I know what you're doing. I'm not going to let you do it, dude. I am i don't have as much money as you. I have to kill on this. I'm yeah. sorry. Every, when I did the Roseanne roast, it was all older women. And before the roast, they all like come in like fucking pixies. And they're like, Anthony, you're so oh, handsome. Shit. We love you so yes. much. And then after the roast, they didn't say a word to me. You know, it's like that try to like butter me up and it's like, I've already written the joke. Oh yeah, no, you know? this is, yeah, There's this no... is just making me feel like we're closer so I can make yeah. more fun of you. I can't soften <laughs> this at all. Friends can do this. Yeah. So yeah, so the Hasselhoff roast is kind of a blur to me. I remember that being, I, I, the problem with the roast is like, I think for women, it's sort of like the Oscars of comedy and your instinct is like to dress up like a whore. And that's what I did, I feel like for the Hasselhoff roast. I don't know why I thought like I, if I just look good enough they won't call me ugly <laughs> that's not how the no. road <laughs> they pick it way like i remember writing for hasselhoff and they're like they, it's all these gay jokes about hulk hogan and i'm like has uh, there ever been a room and they're like no but he's a wrestler so we gotta have the Tan, gay guy and he's got that yes, yeah yeah it's like you gotta have the gay you got the fat guy yes. you gotta have the whore and i was like why why not write jokes about the person and they would just they got so lazy mm -mm. that's why the roast would like it does never upset me if you told a joke about me Lampanelli, Ross, right. those were, it was like an honor. Yeah. Patrice was an honor. Yeah. But when anybody else, anybody else, yeah. I, I could just picture 12 fat fucking bitter comedy writers who were jealous of me mm -hmm. sitting there thinking of the worst things they could say. Yeah. So those jokes just, it didn't hurt me, but it pissed me off. Yeah, it was just a little bit like, at least don't be sloppy. If you're gonna insult me, at least put some thought onto it. Mm -hmm. Like the last roast I did, everyone called me a flat out rapist. Like flat out, like Anthony's a rapist, and I was like, <laughs> like that's hot take. that's like that's my thing. Yeah, and it was yeah. just they're too lazy to think of something else. But it's also we've been in those writers' rooms where it's just kind of like, okay, he's really funny, his career is great. You can't really knock him for you know like having movies bomb or his not being funny. You can't say. I mean, that's like kind of what happened with Sarah Silverman on was it James Franco or yes, there was some, where they Franco. were calling her old. Because it was just like, you can't say she doesn't have a great career. You can't say she's not funny. You can't say that she's failed in television. So I was like, well, she's 42. So I guess we're going to call her old. Like, yeah. you have to have some kind of well to go to. Like, you know, and it does get cheap and it gets sloppy. And it, you know, and, you know, you've been there where on the roasts, like people drop out three days before. Of course. Because they get scared or they watch a roast and they see what the fuck it's about and they panic, you know. So a lot of times you're writing those cheap jokes, like at the last minute. Like, I remember 
We did a bunch of jokes. Was this for, I think, Sa the Saget Roast? When I was a writer on the Saget Roast, we wrote a bunch of jokes for Artie Lang. And you know, it's he's fat and he's there and he's fat, fat, fat. Everything was a fat joke. You're so fat, you're so fat. And then he had an incident and couldn't make it. Um, and so we're just like frantically calling anyone that could fit the fat jokes. or like Patrice, Louis Anderson. And you just go down the line of Ralphie May, whoever. And then um, Jeff Garland said yes. And he's not that fat. Like, I mean, it was like the jokes were just way too brutal. I mean, yeah. it, it was I think Cloris Leachman was like, why is there a beanbag chair on the stage? Oh, that's Jeff Garland. <laughs> Jeff yeah. was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. It's like too far. What bothered me, too, was that like if a, you would think of a joke bombed in the room, mm. like if we do stand up and we're doing a special and right. the joke bombs, right. you don't just sweeten it and move on. Yeah. You cut that joke out. That's right. But on the roast, a joke could eat it. Yeah. And then they cut, not only, they like cut to the audience, someone laughing hysterically. And it makes it look like it was the biggest like line of the night. And you're like, why did you just fuck me like this? Yeah. Like this is not. That's the worst. That's not what seemed, happened. Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah. And I know it's, it's like, it's a television show, but it was it like, it may, after three, I was like, I'm done. And then, um, yeah, I remember after the Trump roast, uh, going upstairs, it was in New York They you were normally in LA. That one was in New York and there were like these stairs and it was like this weird hotel. Like it was just, like a weird setup. It was like a ballroom instead of like a sound stage. And I remember going upstairs and hearing crying and being like, what's going on? And it was Lisa Limpinelli was crying. And I was just like, I don't, I, I don't feel good about this. Like I, this is and then went in and then this was her ritual. She would go and she'd take all these punches and they call her fat and they make the black dick jokes and you're the whatever. And then she would laugh and, you know, um, put on a brave face and then just cry and be miserable. And I just was like, it blew my mind that yeah. someone had to go through that. And it just, it like broke my heart. I always assumed that it's not like what they say, it's that you know you're gonna be hearing it for a long time. Mm. You know, you know that people, your fans are even gonna be right. like, yeah. Like you fat bitch, like go suck a That's black right. dick. You're and, teaching like, people how and to so treat you. So she's just you. like, oh, this is like what it's gonna. This is my image now. Yes, yeah, and she's married to a white guy. It was yeah. also just like an outdated sort of joke and and sort of um yeah, and it was interesting. And I remember like the first roast, I did not get my feelings hurt. I was so grateful to be there. I was such a Greg Giraldo fan to just even meet Greg Giraldo was a big deal for me. Uh, he had one of my favorite jokes, actually, uh, which was uh, you two are very similar to me and how like surprising your turns are. Um, he just went, Whitney Cummings is here for some reason and just kept going <laughs> like that was it. Like he was like, I'm not even writing jokes about you. Um, he was one of the reasons I got out is I saw how mm. much more miserable he got as he just like almost felt like he had to keep doing them. Yeah. And he didn't enjoy them. Like he enjoyed him in the beginning and then was just like going through the motions. And I was like, this looks unpleasant. I think like Jeff Ross like loves it. Loves like loves, loves it. it. Love is like it. and it, he never dips it's always mm -hmm. just like yeah he's running that steady marathon people like it's an honor but keeps doing roasted it by him for the rest of the year do you know what i mean it's yes. just like something that he likes to do all the time it's part of his thing i mean i also just like the pro i can't really divorce the being on the roast from the process of making the roast it's so it was just too stressful for me it was like the whole deal with comedy for me is that the part of the reason I love it so much is I don't feel competitive with other comedians. Of no. course, I want to kill harder than a, when we're at the comedy store. Of course, I want to kill as hard as you killed. Of course, I want to be as funny as you are. Like, of course, I want to like sell as many tickets or more tickets. Of course, right? But I don't feel competitive with comics. I hated like being the last to be picked for dodgeball. I hated it like between me. I just don't like competing with somebody else. And 
the roasts always felt like that leading up to it mm -hmm. for me it was like what's he doing what she you know like it, it was and then before it was like who's gonna go when and what order and i felt like i was against comedians and they like wouldn't tell you i didn't like the way they treated you well like you're like who are you guys out to right now like I, we've got two weeks i'd love to start writing jokes yeah. and like we're not we can't tell you and i'm like yeah. i'm on the fucking road what are you doing i don't write for variety i'm not gonna spoil this for you like yeah. if you're talking to hulk hogan yeah. tell me you're talking to hulk hogan so i can write some jokes yeah, maybe. that's right that's right and they would never do it that uh, that always always bothered me, and then the, I didn't like the way they would cut things up. Mm -hmm. That I remember on the Roseanne roast, mm -hmm. I walked in. I think they had like twelve people on the dais. I had like like sixteen jokes. I had like one joke for each person, and then four for Roseanne. And they're like, Anthony, we need way more. And I go, No, you don't. You just can't cut me. Wow. So you basically did that so that you weren't going to shoot 10 minutes that they could cut down to five. So you were in control of the cut. Basically. I just thought of a great joke for each person. I'm not going to have a, like a B joke yeah. that they could use in case. I was like, I want to kill. Because they would tell me they'd be the way you tell jokes. I wasn't like Geraldo where I ranted. I would tell a joke and then sit there and wait till the laughs died all the way down. That They were like, you're so great because we can use your laughs for other people. No. And I was like, don't do that. I want to. I want to win. You know, I want to win the roast. Uh -huh. I don't want everyone to be killing as hard as me because they're getting my laughs. Literally. That's right. Literally. Yeah. I do love it because I remember. I think this it must have been the Trump roast. Like I like that when you're killing, you kind of get bored. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I get like impatient. I'm like, okay. okay. Can we get like a no? I know. I I know. I wrote it. I know it's a good joke. Can yeah. we get to the next? Like <laughs> it's also because I feel like. Um, the roasts have such a desperation to them, such a anxiety to them. And to me, that's like, that's not how I like to perform stand up. That's not how I like to operate in the world. And I just was like, this is just so stressful. And it's taking the joy out of comedy for me, you know? And I also don't like insulting people that aren't comedians. I just, it makes me, it's fun. And I love writing, like, I love it on some level, but I think the roast, like, I, I, the reason I fell in love with them because it was a bunch of comedians talking shit to each mm -hmm. other and people that it felt like a fair fight. Yes. It felt like the other person could retaliate. Like, people are like, how did you go so hard after Joan Rivers? I was like, because I knew she was going to fucking kill me. Mm -hmm. That's why, you yeah. know? Like, I thought Lampanelli wouldn't respect me for the you're cool. You know, I thought she'd be like, what a pussy. He didn't have a joke for me. And oh, afterwards, she was the opposite. She was like, I would like, thank you so much for that. And I was like, oh, you appreciated that and got it. I thought you would be like, what a wuss. Like, That's you, right. you couldn't take like, me Come on. back at me. This yeah. is what we do. This is how we show love to each other. Yeah. You know, so, it, it, and then I also, like a couple little things, like I remember um, Geraldo on the red carpet once before the roast said something that just like, like filed into my hippocampus, like didn't really process it until a couple years later after I'd been in the business for a little while and had some sort of like public like what are ostensibly called like failures, right? If you have two seasons of a show, it's a fail. It's a huge failure, mm -hmm. right? I mean, even when I made a show that went six seasons, everyone's like, oh, your show got canceled. It's like, dude, 120 episodes. Yeah. I'm good with that. Like, and also I got a show. Do you know how many people just fucking like can't even get a pilot? Like to get to that level, it's almost like making fun of a one hit wonder. Yeah. They're like, do you know how hard it is to be a one hit wonder as a, as a band? You know, like what, what an insane level that is to get to. Like, so you can make fun of me if you want, but I know the musicians is, know. The irony is that my failures, you don't even know about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my successes to you are failures. So I remember, um, I remember, you know, a well we would go to a lot was this like your show failed and you your shows get canceled or, you know, it was like Geraldo, you can't get a show on the air or whatever. That was like a big thing that people would go to with Geraldo at like his acting career or whatever. And uh he was going down the red carpet and people were, you know, it's always like amateur, like open mic or comics that are interviewing and they think it's funny to like be mean to their hero. They're just panicking, right? And someone was just like, so like, 
you like can't get a show on the air, right? Like that's what everyone makes fun of you about. What do you think about that? And he just goes, when did it become so embarrassing to just be a comedian for a living? And yeah. it, and it really just um, affected me, you know? And I was like, I, I, I'm fine to get made fun of for my appearance. I'm fine to get made fun of for being a whore, even though I was always in like a monogamous relationship. <laughs> like I've never, I'd never dated a comic. Like I'm fine that I'm sleeping my way to the top. Like what would I fuck one of the women at Comedy Central. <laughs> like I just, you know, none of it made any sense. But as soon as people go after your career, it just felt weird to go after what I de I, it, it was so hard for me to not see myself as a failure anyway, even when I was succeeding. And I was like, I don't need you guys to be my, like reiterate my inner monologue of this sort of impossible standard of perfection. Yeah, I just knew if they, if they go after your career, it means like the fact that you're there means yeah. you have a career. Yeah. So if they do it, it means they have nothing else. Yeah, to you know? totally. If they call you a whore, they've got unless you like got busted being a whore. Like it's like they they just had nothing else to do for you. Well, because I and that I think is ultimately why I stopped doing it because it's like I when I first did it, I, there was nothing to make fun of. You're a whore. You're like that was all like fine. But then um, but then I sort of was like, I I just had too many raw nerves. Like I know exactly what the jokes they're gonna write are and they're gonna hurt my feelings. I know you're gonna go after like a canceled show or say the things that I did aren't good and like I don't get to go like. You guys know that I don't do every job on the show and that I wasn't happy with that episode either. And like we ran out of time and ran out of money. And, you know, my mom had a stroke. Right. So I couldn't be that. Like, I just like you can't. I just did. I and I also felt like it was starting to set a bad example because I was going to have to laugh when people said that. And I was like, I just don't want to train people to think they can talk to me that way. Yes. Yes. Like it's starting to um, uh, I just would like to have more dignity than that. Yeah. You know, and I always think about it because I'm like, if if one of our friends, if Rogan or someone did a roast, would we do it? I feel like we'd have to. He would never do it. So I feel like we can entertain no, like some, there, Someone to be like, who would it be? Like if Louie came back. <laughs> like imagine that roast. I mean, I, I would. That is one of the only roasts where I'd be like, I'm going up third. Like every time they announce a new one, I'm always I'm like, hmm. Because they kick, kind of kicked me off. Like, I, I remember doing the Roseanne roast, and they had tried to make that a classier roast. You were, you were the problem on that set? Not not the, not because of that, but, like, it was all older women. And so yeah. I was, like, I was very careful not to make an old woman joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was, like, but I was good with that. But I was also so much meaner than everyone else was mm -hmm. that it was, like, a problem. Like, people were, like, booing me. And at That's one how point, I feel like I was on Trump a little bit. I tell a joke about... Uh, who was who's the woman from Married with Children? The mom, uh, Katie Segal. Katie Segal, and she's amazing. She's sitting next to me, and she's like, "I didn't know they made fun of me too." And I was like, "Katie, you're like the best. Like, I'm the meanest guy here, and my joke is like a love letter to you, you know." And my joke referenced, um, I was like, "Katie Segal, she was on Married with Children, the show that changed comedy, mm -hmm. Sons of Anarchy, the show that took action to a whole new level, and how and um, Eight Simple Rules." The show that killed John Ritter. <laughs> and the joke kills. But then fucking Clint Eastwood's ex-wife is sitting right behind the dais. And she's bombed out of her mind. And she starts screaming at me. Oh, Jesus. And does not stop until I finish my set. So for the whole set, and I'm kind of like... I'm kind of hearing something and I'm seeing the people no. in the dais turn around and looking no. at him like telling you to stop. No. And no one no one goes up of and says like not. knock it off. And she just screamed the just wasted because she was friends with John Ritter and screamed the entire time. I ran into it at a restaurant and I wanted to be like, Do you remember me? 
fuck you. But I was like, don't like, don't do it. Leave it alone. Leave it. Just let it go. But I was like furious. And because I was like them trying to class it up and then realizing they couldn't. Yeah. They always, yeah, had, yeah, this, yeah. They always had this fantasy that they would get George Clooney. You know, and the days would be like Brad Pitt and stuff, and they'd have a Brat Pack kind of thing. And I was like, Why? That, why What's would he? It for them? Why would he? And if, if he was going to, why would he do it with you? I mean, you know? people only really do that to fix a PR nightmare. Mm -hmm, exactly. Right. So then the Franco roast happened, and they were like, "We got Franco. We're gonna have Natalie Portman. We're gonna have Kate Hudson." And they were like, "We don't want Anthony." And it wasn't Comedy Central. It was like the Franco team. And those guys who were just we like, he's too mean. We don't want comedy on this We don't one. want someone coming up and like crushing our friends. Like we want it to be more friendly and fun. Mm -hmm. And like Ken Alterman was like, I'm going to talk to them about it. And I was like, I don't want to show up at the, I don't want to be like, like if you don't want to invite me to the party, mm -hmm. I don't want to go to your party. I don't want to be the guy that you like make show up. Yeah, ew. And then I never did one again. Ew. Never did it again. And I didn't miss it. It's so, it's like, there's so much work that goes into those jokes for me anyway. Like I couldn't just like, just ran. It was like these had to be these like perfect bombs. Yeah. That after three, I just felt like it's going to be diminishing returns. I also feel like the, the, I don't know. I just feel like they were better when people were a little more ratchet. Like it's like now they're getting like Oscar winners. Like they're going for just more like famous, like beloved people. And I feel like the, I love the roast when it was like Flavor Flav and Bridget Nielsen and people with no self-respect. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'll go even further and I'll say that you ruined the roasts. Okay. Because I followed your example. I saw you on the roast and I knew you and I was like, oh, like my, my this is like, and I always had um, what you call aspirational jealousy. When I would see a friend do something that I wanted to do, I was excited for them. I was never jealous. I was like, if she's doing it, that means I could do it one day. Yeah, and she I can do this. Do yeah. But you went up and you went fucking scorched earth. Yeah. You weren't like, <laughs> like, you know, there's like, uh, like Jonah Hill on a roast was like, like would tell a joke and then be like, I'm just kidding. I love you. And you didn't fuck with that at all. No. Like you just went so hard that I was like, that's how you do it. Like you don't like Jeff Ross is chummy. And like at the end when he's like, right. we only roast right. the ones we love. He means right. it. You weren't like that. No. That I was like, that's the template. No. And I felt like they got so much meaner after you got there oh, because I was the next one in and I went like Darth Vader on them. That I thought that like people like it just made the roast. It made the stakes that much higher that you had to destroy it. That's in. Thank you. First of all, um, it's okay. it, I certainly meant it as a compliment. And I'm so sorry. Uh, no, it it helped. It gave me the blueprint for what to do. And I don't know. And I think it was. And I never. I try not to bring up sort of like being a girl in comedy. Like, who cares? Like, I think for the most part, nobody's thinking about that except female comedians. <laughs> like, we're the ones that are so obsessed with it, you know. Um, so, I, but I do think I had a lot to prove, and I had to earn my place there. And I was so pissed off because. I had been a writer on the roast for a couple roasts. They they were going to put me on um, a roast and then canceled me. The Larry, the cable guy one. I was booked for that. And then they said, never mind. I feel like I had been fucked with and dicked around with. Um, and uh, and being in those writers rooms for the longest time. And I mean, I remember when I first got the, the job, they only hired me because I wrote a joke that they wanted to use. I wrote like a packet of like 16 pages of jokes and sent it in. I had my manager just send it in and my manager's like, no, they don't hire new people. There's their crew of people they hire and that's it. Like in that day, there were like five dudes. We know them all. They're all hilarious, but they don't take in new people. Certainly not. There was no girls on the roast. And then um, I wrote uh, a joke that some more told on the Flavor Flav roast, which was Flav, you look like what Magic Johnson should look like. 
right now. <laughs> and they wanted to use it. And they told me, they were like, we want to use this joke, so we need to hire you for a week. Like, they didn't even want me in the room with them. They didn't want me pitching. And I just slowly kind of chipped away and they renewed me for the next week. Like, and even the next year, I had to fight to get it again. Like, they just were, it was just very hard um, to impress them and make them like me. And then Saget, I wrote some jokes, uh, I think, that were kind of good. And then I did a roast of Steve Tisch and videoed it. Like, it was like a charity roast. And they sent it to Comedy Central. They said, great, we're going to put her on. Booked me. I wrote, they took me off. Like, it just was like, I just felt like by the time I got there, I had so much hate in my heart. <laughs> oh, yeah. That a lot of it was just truly, you know, at the network, at comedy, at the writers. <laughs> like, yeah. I was mad at the writers for, like, not taking me seriously. I got mad because like, when I did the Trump roast, like, the people loved me in the room when I mm. wrote for the Hasselhoff roast because I was just, I like, bet. fun and laughed at everything. It was just, like, yeah. had, it's that's more fun than actually doing the roast because it's, like, yeah. four weeks of just, yeah. like, you're out there at 2 in the morning saying yeah. the meanest shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when I did my first roast was Trump, they were all, like, rooting for me and happy yeah. for me. And then on Sheen, they were like, we got you. Like, we got, so we, we, we're getting you this time. Like, and I was like, what do you mean you're getting me? Like, we're not friends. Like, yeah, this isn't that's cool. what it feels like. Yeah. They, it was like they turned on you that I was like, this is, I don't, this isn't like healthy. Yeah, this no. This seems like you guys are bitter and angry about me that like, I don't want to be here now. No, they want you to stay down. Yeah. They want you to stay. Um, so, yeah, and I felt like I just had so much to sort of prove. And my whole deal I mean, even today, like when I get lost on jokes, I really just think about making comedians laugh. I don't I just that's I just was like, would this joke make Anthony Jeselnik laugh? Like, that's the way I would think about it with the roast. And I was trying to make Joan laugh. I literally was like, yes. just try to make Joan laugh. That's all you can do. Just if you can make Joan Rivers laugh, you have succeeded here tonight. If she I don't care what the audience is even fucking doing. Just stick with her. Okay, time to read some ads. Um, hey Benton, do people like when I sing during the ads? Uh, I do. I know I personally do, and I think I'm a good voice for the people. No, I don't think you got to make me stop doing that. Um, I think I started singing because I got excited to talk about smooth balls. Nothing is more exciting. Nothing is more exciting. Okay, so I'm just going to do a little personal story here. I'm not going to lie. I have a, I have a quarantine hookup, okay? And balls are just smooth as a marble paperweight. And I'm starting to think that maybe he listens to my podcast and got manscaped. Because I haven't even read the copy and I knew exactly... <laughs> <laughs> Where to go with this? Uh, I think he's listening to the podcast and heard us talk about the lawnmower 3.0, and is the only men dream come true. It's a it. Can you explain why I to just the fans here? So basically, when you're trimming your your nether region, you can't just use like hair clippers because they will they will Freddy Krueger you down. There, no, okay? like, yeah, so that's my job with my giant teeth. Leave the ball shredding to me and my huge horse face and my unmanicured nails. You shouldn't be doing it yourself at home. But, you know, because every time I saw guys before Manscaped shave their balls, they'd have to put it up. They'd have to put their leg up on the tub and stretch it out because it's like an elephant ear. You know, you got to pull it. But you don't have to do that with the lawnmower 3.0. It's easier now. It makes it a lot easier. It just glides right through there. You have different, you get different link options you can put on there. 
Oh, look, it's waterproof, cordless. Well, that's key because you don't want to perfectly shore your balls and then trip over a cord and then dislocate your knee and not be able to, you know, let your balls shine in all their glory that night because you have an injury from shaving them. That would be a nightmare. Third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free. Thanks to Manscaped, it's advanced skin-safe technology. See, this is what... See, I wish Manscaped yeah, look, was around when I was in my 20s. Yeah. Personal testimony, I've had all three models, and this is the best model by far. So you get a perfect package, it's called. You'll find the Manscaped Crop Preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant. Oh, gosh. I will buy this for you guys personally. A ball deodorant? Oh, where have you been all my life, ball deodorant? So your balls aren't going to smell like clam chowder and old scallops. Because you know who has to smell your balls? Us. Us. Me and Benton. You guys can't smell your own balls. You don't understand how swampy and wharfy they smell. Guys, like, how come she won't go down on me? Because your balls smell like oatmeal. That's why. Okay? Pull it together. Manscaped. Subscribe to the perfect package. Sorry, I'm stuttering. I'm just so flustered by thinking about these smooth, <laughs> delightful, waxy balls against my chin. That's the other thing you guys don't understand. When you have stubble on your balls, it gets our chin all red and crazy. We're already having to wear masks. I'm already getting enough breakouts on my chin. I don't need your ball stubble clog up my pores. Subscribe to the perfect package. Get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't got to get a virus. You can just stay home and receive your trimmer. It stays fresh, stays clean. For a limited time, our subscribers get not one but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, it's a $39 value, so don't sleep on that. And the, the patented... High performance and anti-chafing manscaped boxer briefs. Cute. They're nice. They're real nice. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Feel free to send us photos of your package. Tag me. I'm sure Manscaped won't love that I'm soliciting dick pics in this ad. <laughs> send me proof that Manscaped worked on your balls. Just send me a couple photos. I just want to see how there's no nicks on your scrotum. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Whitney at manscaped.com. It's my goal in life that when that Manscaped and I have such a deep relationship and you guys buy so many products of them because of me that when you Google me, my nudes don't come up. Instead, Manscaped comes up. You know when it says like you Google something, it's like Whitney Cummings. Then I'll be like, did you mean Manscaped? That's how... Closely, I want to be associated. Yeah, I, want you to get your, I want you to get your own collaboration, the Whitney Weed Whacker. Why not? Why can't, why can't I? I've been talking about shaving your balls for truly 14 years. Go back to my first special. I spent the entire time talking about how guys should blow dry their pubes so they don't get all, like, moldy and asbestosy. So this is... Infusia lipstick. In few, I was wearing fuchsia lipstick. That was a mistake. But I have been banging this drum for years now. Finally, Man Manscaped listened. Do yourself a favor. Use the right tools for the jobs. You guys love tools. I'm dating this guy. He's like 30 years old. And I tried to uh, uh, stir my coffee with a spoon. He's like, no, you got to get the frother. 
Like, guys, you guys need machines for even simple tasks. So trust me, you're going to love this. You're going to get 20% off and free shipping with the code Whitney at manscaped.com. I really hope the guy I'm dating is listening to this. Please get Manscaped. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code Whitney. Stop having tangy balls. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew, one of my favorite things to talk about. The sexuals. The sexuals out there. Okay, now let's be honest. Let's just be real. That's what I do. That's my brand. Real! Nothing worse than a dick that doesn't work. Okay? A lot of things don't work right now, including human beings. You know the one thing that has no excuse to not work? Your dick. Let's be honest. The only thing we really can have right now without feeling like we're catching COVID is good dick, okay? It is your job to make sure your dick's on point during this pandemic. That's why you need Blue Chew. Brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but you just pop it in and chew it. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill. See, that's it. That's why this company's genius. The worst is we're trying to you're trying to get some hanky panky. You're trying to get that hubba hubba on. He runs, takes a pill. You by the time it kicks in, you're over it. You're done. You've already rubbed one out to the a basketball game or whatever is your thing. I don't know the show you on Netflix, whatever, whatever your thing is, a dodo puppy video. I don't judge people. Okay. But I do know that when I want a dick, I want it when I want it. And I don't want to wait. Blue Chew, fast, easy way to enhance your performance. Because guess what? Right now, everyone's pushing it. Okay. If I was living with somebody I loved, I wouldn't be in love with them anymore. The only thing keeping couples together right now during this nightmare quarantine is good sex. So if you lose that, then what do you have? Nothing. Just you and your mask alone. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians. Positions. Is that a word? Physicians? You don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at a pharmacy and contract that Miss Rona. Nope. Ships right to your door in a discreet package so none of your neighbors are going to know what's what. Made in the USA. Love that. Since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, okay? Thank God something makes sense financially. Right now, we have a special deals deal for our listeners. See, I'm getting all flustered because I'm thinking about hard dicks. <laughs> Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use special promo code WHITNEY. Pay just $5 for shipping. I know some guys that I'm with are going to need Blue Chew because my personality makes your penis go, bye-bye. Blue Chew makes it go, oh, hello, I'm back. Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code Whitney. Try it for free. Get your girl to fall back in love with you. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. How come they haven't sent me any? I'd like some. I'm dating a guy who's 30, but you never know. I feel like my annoying voice is going to give him erectile dysfunction any day now. You gave me a great piece of advice, which is how I knew you were going to be cool to me when I sat down next to you for Trump. And I was like, do you look at them when you say the joke? 
Like, do you look at them? And you go, I look at them for the, for the setup and then I don't for the punchline. Like I move for the punchline and I was like, that's so great. <laughs> Got it. And that like saves you because people are just like, they're looking at you like, uh-huh. And then you say the joke and they're like, they get upset or they start looking at the, um, the teleprompter to see what you're going to no, say. No, and I didn't no, want to no. see that. No. So it was like, look at them for the setup right. and then turn and say the punchline. Yes. It helped me. I did that for every joke I've ever told on a roast. That's so it interesting. I, I, I blacked out a lot of the Donald Trump roast because I remember, first of all, I, I just started dressing like sluttier and sluttier every roast. <laughs> and by the <laughs> And by the time we got to, to Donald Trump, I was in a mini skirt that was so fucking short. I couldn't even like position myself on the couch. And uh, it was sequins and it was digging into my skin. And I was so distracted by it. And I was also very thrown by a very weird exchange with uh, Larry King was very rude backstage. Um, just shitty for no reason. And wasn't Jerry, was it Jerry Springer on that? Am I making that up? Springer was on Hasselhoff. But who was King his? was on... Larry King, Snoop Dogg, Ron Trump, the situation. Trump had, there was someone else. Oh, the situation was on Trump. That's right. I was just a lot of weird interaction backstage. There was no camaraderie. There wasn't a fun to it. Um, uh, Larry King was shitty. So I started adding more. I like, I added a couple jokes about him right before we started after he was shitty to me about how, like, I hope he dies soon or something like that. Do you remember that he fell and you <laughs> caught him? You caught him. I was like, I, I can't believe you're strong enough. Like it was, it was you, then me, then Larry King, and he stand. I think he was wearing Crocs or something, and he stood up at the very end of it and took a step and fell. And I was just like, I just kind of watched him go, because it's like an old person, you know, and like I don't want to break any bones. And I swear to God, you were like one armed, like boom, gotcha, Larry. And I was just like, holy shit, like Whitney's got some guns. That's so weird. You saved his life. Um, I regret that. Uh, it's weird. I went on Larry King's like show. He's like a talk show. Mm -hmm. I've done that. Yeah. And I did it for, I think it was my book. Like a couple years. <laughs> That's so true. I can't believe I'm telling the story. And I don't know if he's just getting old and like, because like batty, dotty old man, but I think he is. I, <laughs> I think you're right on that one. I literally went on and he just goes, so you say that being codependent made you a slut. <laughs> 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 and I heard my publicist go, <gasps> Like I heard that noise. Oh, you know, it's like a weird sound stage. <laughs> and literally he just kept looking. I mean, I was like, oh, he's fucking gone. I remember we talked. I, I, I forget what I was promoting, but we talked for like like half an hour about comedy and like my comedy and stuff. And at one point I go, have you ever seen my comedy? <laughs> and he goes, no. And I was like, what the fuck are we like? Why are we like? Why are we talking about why, this? Like, you don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Like, where is anyone even? Is this on Quibi? Like, where even is this show? Like, yeah. I just like. Um, but yeah, so I remember the Trump roast being very scary, and I remember like, well, I remember it's weird. Your first roast, I feel like everything, every roast after your first roast is just trying to recreate the first one. You don't want it to be. You don't want it to be a letdown. Like the Sheen one was the most pressure I felt because mm -hmm. it was like I don't want people to think, oh, Trump was like Trump was a fluke. Right. Somebody wrote his jokes. Right. And that was like the Sheen roast was only like six months after Trump. It wasn't like it was a yearly thing. Right, it was really right. quick. That's interesting. That I felt so much pressure on that Sheen roast. Right. And so then much. I remember, yeah, the Hasselhoff roast. I felt all this pressure, and I remember, I, I remember getting in a lot of fucking trouble for this joke, and I don't think they aired it um but there was a joke that this is my favorite kind of roast laugh when there's like a a joke hits and everyone's like oh, 
and then they start laughing. Yeah. There's a gasp and then a tension release. And the joke was so brutal. And it's one of my favorite jokes because there's no um, art to it. It's a very artless, bald uh, joke. It was just um, Pam Anderson, you've dated Tommy Lee, Kid Rock, and Brett Michaels. Why don't you just save yourself some time and drink a vat of Magic, Magic Johnson's, Johnson's blood? blood. <laughs> it's just like, not even. I think they aired it. Uh, right, so, oh, yes, because um, legal, I think someone tried to sue me. You yeah. can't just say people have AIDS on TV. You, you and Jeff Ross were two of the people I remember who they would be like, you can't tell that joke. And you'd be like, mm-hmm. And then you would go and tell the joke anyway. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're just allowed to do that. Like, I had written all these jokes about Mike Tyson. Oh, and nice. like the week before, they're like, oh, no rape stuff. And I was like, but he went to jail for it. Like, wh and why didn't you tell us this? That's right. Like, if he signed on because of this, like, why didn't you tell me right away? Why am I finding out when I turn in my jokes yeah. that these are unacceptable? I, know, like, I, I was, was really mad and I wish I had just done them. I was told about the about Snoop Dogg. I wasn't allowed to bring up like a murder charge or something. And I was just like, OK. Yeah. And then also there was always something. And I think people would be uh, interested to hear this on every roast. There was something that was like off limits for the writers and off mm -hmm. limits for the comedians. There was always something that whoever the uh, person being roasted would come in with some kind of stipulation. Like there was like um, I think Saget said, like, please don't make fun of the Olsen twins. And we were like, yeah, that's cute. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I think Jones was don't make fun of Melissa. Don't go too hard after Melissa. Um, Shatner was the wife that wife drowned. Pool, yeah. Right. I think Pam Anderson was the kid in the pool. There's a lot of dead people in pools. Yes. And then, uh, uh, what was Hogan? Oh, uh, Hasselhoff was. I think it was Brooke Hogan's daughter. Stay away from her. Da his daughter. I think that was what we weren't allowed to make jokes about. Which I, I don't remember because I remember she was like gonna come and yeah. then it was because no, it was it wasn't the daughter. It was the son. Because Hogan's son had just killed his friend in like a car right. accident. It wasn't the daughter, it was the son. Right. The daughter almost came to the show, but I remember the son, there were no jokes about him. There was a second where Kelsey Grammer was going to be on a roast, and they were like, you can't talk about his family members that got murdered. Like, there was, I mean, you just realize, like, Jesus. Like, I, I remember for uh, Tyson, they were like, no rape, and don't talk about his son who died. Like, on a treadmill. On a like, treadmill. And I was like, who the fuck? Even I wouldn't write a joke she, about like, that. Like, <laughs> of course not. I know, like, of course not. That's what's so funny. They're like, can you please not make a joke about the dead baby in the pool? You're like, got it. Yeah, from a week ago. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone. I got it. You don't need it. We're not fucking animals. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And then what was Trump's? You can't say I have less money than I say I do. Whoa. Mm -hmm. I remember the Trump roast was was wild because I'm not like coming forward. I don't care. Like, but he was like a low hand on the back guy, like mm -hmm. instantly low hand on the back. And I remember he he was literally there were jokes about him running for president or like I remember going into cross reference jokes and I'm like oh, and he's running for president I was like oh god like why even do a joke about that that's never gonna happen that's such like a dumb premise like never gonna happen silly rumor premise so I remember I didn't do any jokes about him running for president because I just thought it was like too dumb of a premise I remember the joke that hurt him the most that I did and I went hard on him yes but I had a joke just about like his failed casino business. And that one, you could tell he was like mad. Like he almost was just like, cut that out. Wow. Kind of thing. You know, it's interesting. Like I got asked to do Alec Baldwin and I thought about it. Don't I just I thought about it. And then, um, you know, for a litany of reasons, you know, I didn't do it. But I kind of was like and I'm not like a, in this climate and cancel culture. Like 
I, cancel culture, I think, for the most part, is is mirage. It's it's a it's a lot of shit on Twitter. Doesn't mean anything. It's just what people say. It actually just makes uh, more uh, topics taboo for us. It makes them funnier when we do make jokes about them. You're actually cancel culture helps dark comedy. Exactly. You know, it's like we're like, why do you make rape jokes? It's like because you told me I can't. That's right. That's the only reason. <laughs> that's the only reason I'm right. doing that right. is because that you're saying anything but that, and you're like. Let's do that. But that's what comedy is. We you draw the line and then we cross it. So the more lines you draw, the more we're gonna cross. Like you're just helping us be funnier, yeah. basically. You know, and I think for me, the only thing wilder about outrage culture or cancel culture is the comedians spend so much time talking about it. Mm -hmm. It's just like it dominates every comedian's like, I know I can't say this. And people in middle America are like, You can't? Why yeah. not? Also, the, a lot of the <laughs> comics who talk about it have nothing in their act that would ever be part of cancel culture. <laughs> so true. The comedians are like, I can't say the N-word. I'm like, you have 45 minutes on TSA pre-check. What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. You were never doing that. You just want to be a victim so it, badly. Exactly. You want to be like an edgy comic that was making jokes about the trans community. Like, you were never doing that. And I never wanted to complain ever. It's like, you want to get mad, like, get mad. Like, mm -hmm. that's okay. Yes. I don't care. Interesting. But like some of my favorite movies, you know, have been like movies that are like most people would find unwatchable and like like a horrific viewing experience. Like but what? I'm like, like, have you ever seen the movie Martyrs? No. There's a French movie. There was a thing called, like there was a, uh, a movement called French New Extremism. It was, like a, it was like a horror thing where they just fucking like went for it. Where Martyrs is. Jesus. It's not even scary. They made it in an American remake that sucks. But the original was just like. It's a gut punch. Two, and I was like, I don't mind. I don't mind gut punches. Two young women were both victims of abuse as children embark on a bloody quest for revenge. Only to find themselves plunged into a living hell of depravity. Yes. Is that <laughs> and that's not that doesn't even really describe the movie. Like, it's just like it's fucking with the audience that I'm like, I love that movie. So if like if, if someone says I hate your comedy, I don't go. Why? Mm -mm. I'm like, mm hmm. Like, I don't care. There are some people who love it, but I don't need to know why. I know why. It's okay. But you know what I love about watching you perform, and I've talked about this with other people, is I think everyone's laughing and maybe for different reasons. Some people are nervous. Yes. And I love a nervous laugh. I love a tension release laugh. I love a I'm in church and I'm not supposed to be laughing laugh. I love the shaking your head no yes, and laughing yes, hysterically. Yes. So it's, good. It's almost performance art. In a way, because there's times, I mean, especially now when I saw you at the store back um, when we were doing stand up, you were doing something about, you know, what to not say to a trans woman. Like you were in that. And as soon as you said it, everyone was like, <gasps> like there was this in just proof that cancel culture just makes these areas more ripe to make jokes about. It adds tension to it. Yes. There was a, as soon as you said it, there was like a in the room and it just was like an explosion when you did not give a fuck and refused to feel fear and uh, walk on eggshells around it. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, it's so fun to watch everybody laugh for different reasons. You also have this ability to make people feel smarter than they are. Thank that's, you. That's, a, <laughs> that's, I think the skill of like, you know, I remember like when Dimitri Martin, like I, I remember seeing him when I first started stand up, I feel like when we started, he was kind of like the thing. Yes. Kind of, right? Like he, he was. He quickly became the thing. I remember, like, I remember like discovering him like a year in and being like, oh my God, like smart one liners, like I'm in. He was like the Beatles or something. I mean, I mean yeah. in LA, when we started, he was like, he, Largo just, he was just like royalty, right? And what he did, which I thought was really interesting and I strived for in the beginning, 
was he gave you a joke to take home and tell your friends. Mm -hmm. He gave you a joke you are able to recite, mm -hmm. right? Um, why don't they make cakes that say you're adopted or whatever, you know, like you, you're not going to fuck up the delivery. Like Dan Mintz does this. Of course, Mitch Hedberg and Stephen Wright did this. And, you know, it's like but Hedberg, like you could you had to know Hedberg to like for someone to repeat the Hedberg joke to you. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense because he was such a part of it. That's right. Whereas Dimitri, it's, it, 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 it could live on the page. Right. You know, totally. And you could tell it to someone else and flirt with a girl and, you know, say it at the water cooler the next day and crack people up. You do that, too in a way that makes people feel um, like naughty and uh, smart and funny, you know, like, I mean, I'm literally the last guy that I was hanging out with would like do your jokes and he did an okay job. Thank you. It <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, it's interesting. The cancel culture thing, like I find myself fighting with comedians about it all the time because I'm like, dude, this is like 2000 people on Twitter. Like, why are you spending all of these podcasts in the first 10 minutes of your set talking about this. Also ignore it. Like if somebody on Twitter, like I've had, I've, I've got a lot of jokes about pedophilia, you know, child abuse, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> somebody would like, somebody had like put them all together and then like screenshotted it and like put it up as like, we're going to get him. And yeah. it was like, it's like one of those like Roseanne goes down. Yeah. We got to take someone from, from the left down. Yeah. And people oh. started coming after me and I, every time I just retweet it. I'm not going to fight with you. I just retweet it. Can, and like, I don't like, it's like, you can't hurt me. That, that was interesting because I mean, when all that started happening, I just was like, are they going to start just taking roast jokes? And like, there's a couple Robin Quivers roast jokes that are, <laughs> that oh. I told them. I mean, that if you were to put, take them out of context, like that you guys could do this whenever you wanted. I think a roast, everything's okay. Yeah. I think about podcasts, not something, not something yeah. like this, Yeah. but people have talked so much shit. Yeah that it's like that Milo um, don't even know his last name. Yeah, that, yes. I'm saying it wrong. Yeah. That dude got taken down for talking about pedophilia on a podcast. Right. It's like on Twitter, somebody gets SNL, you search his Twitter for yeah. the N word, for the F word, yes. for different things. Yes. And you find them. Yeah. If there was a way to do it with podcasts. Yeah. You'd see people going down left and right. Yeah. Because especially in the beginning when you're like, no one's listening to this. It doesn't matter. You know, I've talked wild shit on my podcast mm -hmm. and then people get upset later and I'm like, oh, you listen to that? Like, it doesn't occur to me. And they're like, yeah, hundreds of thousands of people listen to this yeah. and you don't like you think of it as just the three of you in a room. Yeah, I know. It's it's I think that's part of why Howard Stern uh, was got so much for so long out of people and has continued to. He keeps his studio very small and very intimate. And within the first couple of minutes, you kind of forget that you're not just like hanging out with a friend. You forget mm -hmm. that millions of people are listening and then you like talk about like anal sex and you walk out and you have like 400 missed calls from your agent. <laughs> you're just like, oh fuck, what did I say? And then you kind of black out. Yeah. Um, so question, why are you not on Instagram? Honestly, my normal, my, my, my go-to answer is I'm just like too old. Like it doesn't like, it just felt like, like an old person <laughs> thing to me. Uh, Twitter felt like as a comedian, like I can use this and I would love yeah. if Twitter ended, yeah. if they just deleted Twitter as a whole, I wouldn't get on any other platform. I'd be like, okay. I'm done with this, okay. but I'm not a big picture guy. Uh huh. You know, I don't You're take so a lot handsome. of pictures. Yeah. But I don't like take pictures of it. If someone takes a picture of me and sends it to me, I'm like, cool. I'm glad it's there. Cool, I look like that. But I just don't like, it just felt, it felt weird for me to play into it. I almost play against my looks, Uh huh. you know, that I didn't want to play into them. Well, couldn't you just post clips of your standup? 
I mean, it is such it is such an you're such an anomaly for not being on Instagram. I mean, it's like having a website at this point. Yeah, I just truly don't yeah, like it. You get but more I don't and more judge popular. It, but I don't judge people for it. Like, I'm not like, oh, the person, they're on Instagram. Like, I think like good for you for doing it. Like Aziz Ansari, uh-huh. when in the beginning was so good at marketing himself. Yeah. And I was so bad at it. And I never like thought he was like a less of a comic or selling out. I was like, I'm like, it's cool that you're comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. But I would not be able to 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 do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was not able to kind of promote myself in that way. I had to just kind of just go and, and forge ahead. Like Instagram just makes me uncomfortable. Well, you know, what's inter- interesting about it is that people who what you've done is you've created this sort of mystique about yourself. Like you have this um, you're kind of an enigma and and you've gotten incredibly popular. But people that like you think like that you're like only they know about you. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not true, <laughs> yes, you've remain you you are able to be mainstream and sort of uh, have a cult following at the same time. They think they're in a cult following, but they don't understand that you're popular. Sarah Silverman said that once. She's like, all of my fans think they're the only one, which makes them like love you even more. And I was like, great, like great. Like no one else would get this. What I like is when my fans get mad at me because I like because I'll, I'll give an opinion and they're yeah. like, wait, what? Yeah. This guy who does what, that I love because he does whatever he wants isn't doing what I want. And it's like, I don't, they're like, I thought he was like this. It's like, my thing is that I do whatever I want. And that changes sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, I be, people talk about being woke. Yeah. That just means educated. That's right. Like, I have become more educated over my years that I wouldn't joke about some things that I would have joked about before. Like, what? I don't regret the jokes. I probably wouldn't tell a rape joke today. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably wouldn't tell a joke using the word retarded today. Yeah. Even though I have those in the I'm past, I mean, and I don't regret them. Yeah. Like, did you watch that Chris Rock documentary about Bring the Pain? No. It was like W. Camus Bell produced this thing for like A and E, and it was like an hour special just about Bring the Pain no. and like how big that was. It's amazing. Oh wow. And they talk about his his famous bit about like I love black people, I hate you know the N word. And yes, yeah. people, it's like a bunch of celebrities now being like, I wish he kind of hadn't done that. Like you almost like gave white people permission to use the word. Right. And then it cuts to Chris and he's like, I stand by it. He's like, that was a great joke. He's like, probably wouldn't do it today. But like, he didn't say that, but he's like, mm-hmm. I stand by it. Like it was a great joke. Yeah. I'm going to stand by a great joke. Yeah. Like when Sarah Silverman's like, I hate, I disown all these jokes. I'm like, you don't have to do that. Yeah. You could be like, I wouldn't do it today, mm-hmm. but I still stand. By, it's still a great joke. Totally. And were trash because we laughed at it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's also that. You're also, in a way, by accident, I think, trying to take responsibility and being accountable. It's also like, oh, now we, we're shit hits because I love that special. Well, I think people don't get mad at jokes. Like, someone's not like, I'm not, like, I'm mad. The, like, rape's not funny. Why'd you tell that joke? Mm-hmm. And then I'm mad at the joke. They're mad that everyone laughed at it. That's right. That's right. And that's you right, got them right, to laugh at right. it. So they're upset about that. That's right. You know, like, people be like, what's funny about rape? I'm like, nothing. That's why the joke has to mm-hmm. be this like crazy contraption to get you to laugh after mm-hmm. hearing that word. Yeah. Alzheimer's. Like, how do you introduce that word mm-hmm. and then get to a place where people can laugh? Because most people are just like, this is it. Yeah. You know, that I I just, I, I love that challenge. That's yes. what you're saying. You're not saying don't make a joke with the word retarded. Or jo- don't make a bad, cheap one. Don't yes. lean on that word. So yes. to me, it's like the thing with Shane Gillis, which is like, I'm sure I'll get in trouble for this, but it's like, and it was because he was on a podcast and I know it, it just wasn't a well-formed joke. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't a joke, period. It was just, I'm going to talk about getting Chinese food and I'm going to use racial slurs throughout. That's right. But like, I talk about race all the time. Yeah. I've never used a racial slur. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah. I just, that's like, that's, it's not a line. Yeah. It's a preference. 
You know, it's the language. That's right. But the topic isn't off limits. Like, I love talking about race and racism, mm -hmm. but I probably wouldn't use the word black. Right. You know, like Black Lives Matter, like, had an effect where I'd like, I tweaked some things. Yeah. You know, the I had a joke about hate crimes yeah. that I dropped, and I yeah. never dropped jokes. But after the uh, Pittsburgh um, synagogue shooting, yeah. I was just like, I don't even want to, like, I don't want my character to be on that side. And you it's know? also like, it's just, but it's also, you just know something is going to get a different reaction because when you say that all of a sudden everyone, it's a different, it's not going to get the same laugh also. It's the context has changed for the thing you're referencing. Like I just, you know, this whole, um, you know, pandemic is, it's interesting. I was going back and looking at sort of my set and what I was doing before this. And I realized every joke is now either not funny because of what happened or funny for a different reason. Like, for example, I was working on this bit about how every time you shake a man's hand, they give you feedback on how strong your handshake was. It's like that's you can't even make that joke. You'd have to go, well, before or back when we could shake hands, like mm -hmm. someone saying strong handshake is the least weird thing about shaking hands right now. Like mm -hmm. that joke's just dead, you know, yeah. like and I think that a lot of people, comedians um, uh, don't want to just like evolve with reality you know mm -hmm. like but that was such a good joke that was working well it doesn't work anymore because things changed things shifted what i think is interesting and in, is now uh, for me i don't know if you get this too but those like the free speech comedians mm -hmm. you know the like i always say like if you're talking about freedom of speech like get the fuck out of here yeah we're, we're americans yeah like, we all have that no one's no one's like buying a ticket to hear you free your freedom of speech yeah. you have to be funny yeah that's so don't right. give me like I, I should be able to do this because of freedom of speech if it was funny enough you would be allowed to do it and all those comics and all their fans hate me because <laughs> i because i'm like you would think they'd be like big fans but they're like they're like no like like he's not on our side they think i would be one of them and i'm like no 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 no. i have to make the joke great and i work really hard to make it great in order to be able to tow this line i can't just go up and like say the thing but if you're a comedian you, you have no freedom to not be funny no zero that like they, you have given up the freedom to not pay people laugh if they paid money yeah but they think you should like the, like just like that like oh I that's hate, good that enough. no like, it just no. the audience i mean i'm the person that's like the audience is always right like mm -hmm. comedy is a democracy they're laughing that's what we're peddling here mm -hmm. we're not peddling you and conversely we're also not peddling clapter which is the new thing where if you say something woke everyone's like yeah we have to kind of clap at this because or else we're racist like that's the other thing that is i think equally as fucking obnoxious Dude, I'm not even looking at the ad for this. I swear to God. You realize that all these podcasts you listen to, all these these hacks, okay? <laughs> they read off the paper. They go, hi, this ad is brought, you know, Chris D'Elia is just like a robot. He's like, go, go, growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. Just lifeless, soulless, passionless. Magic Spoon, swear to God, truly is my favorite food. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not even joking. All I have eaten this entire pandemic is the uh, fruity um, and chocolate magic spoon cereal. And it is honestly the only thing that brings me any happiness. And I'm on Prozac. So that is saying a lot. I'm not even going to read this ad. I mean, I'll look at it if I have to. <sighs> All right, fine. I'll read the ad. Zero sugar. 12 grams of protein. See, that's it. I started bike riding recently and all of a sudden I'm building all this muscle and now I know why because I'm eating Magic Spoon all day and it has 12 grams of protein. Three net grams of carbs in each serving. Four flavors. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. Dude, I did blueberry the other day with chocolate oat milk. Woo! Damn. So good. I wasn't even high. It was just a sober choice. Taste amazing. 
truly is. I, I, I am not even joking. I made Benton order me an extra box of this because they sent me one box or one box of four boxes and I went through all of them. And literally two days, I'm not even kidding. Keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free. What else do you want in life? The, I'm not even joking. The fruity ones are truly my favorite food. Not even kidding. Um, I'm not trying to... I'm not one of these podcast hosts who's just trying to be a huckster and force you to buy stuff to support their podcast. I don't need that. I'm fine without this, okay? But... If you go to magicspoon.com slash Whitney, grab a variety pack, try it today. I've actually been posting this all over my social media, and they don't even pay me to do that. That's how much I like this product. I'm willing for you guys to think I'm getting paid to post and do sponsor content, but I'm not. Not one of those people, okay? I'm, I mean it. I just want you to be happier. <laughs> Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they refund your money. Wow, no questions asked. I like that. The magicspoon.com site where you get it, magicspoon.com slash Whitney. Use the code Whitney for free shipping. Put my name on there. Screen grab it. Send it to me. Tag me. A lot of you guys have been doing that, and I see a lot of you are enjoying Magic Spoon. Thanks to me. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you for making an incredible product, because if it wasn't for Magic Spoon, I would have starved during the quarantine, because it's the only thing I'll eat, because I'm a brat. All right. Okay. I know. I know what you're thinking. You're anxious. You're stressed. It's a pandemic. You almost have a heart attack every time you go to the grocery store, every time you go outside. When you hang out with your friends, you got to be six feet away in a freaking mask. We're afraid of our own friends. We're afraid of our own family member. I went to see my mom on Mother's Day. I had to put my hand up on a glass and look at her through a freaking glass door. It was horrific. We're all stressed out. Okay? The only thing I can suggest to you right now during these trying times is CBD. <laughs> it's the only thing that's worked for me. Caliper CBD. That's it. It's the only thing. Yeah, I can't I can't just keep drinking because I think I've pickled myself. So that's why I'm going only to Caliper CBD. Helps you feel better without making drastic changes to your routine. It doesn't make you tired. It doesn't make you groggy. There's other thing though is that a lot of the freaking CBDs taste like butt. That's the problem with CBD. Tastes like tangy taint, not caliper CBD. Caliper believes everyone deserves a simple way to feel better. Unlike CBD oils, caliper CBD is a powder, completely tasteless, doesn't taste like old fish or rotten wharf like most of those freaking CBD oils, okay? Mixes easily in food, or drink, no weird taste, no oily residue, you know, like no like nasty, like ugh, no gagging. 20 milligrams in each packet of Caliper CBD. Never question how much CBD you're taking again because it's right there on the freaking packet. Thank you. God, this company is freaking amazing. I just, I love that someone figured out to how to do tasteless CBD. So you don't put it in your drink and ruin your whole freaking drink because now all of a sudden it tastes like old scallops, okay? I appreciate that they figured it out. Your body's mostly water. Oil and water do not mix. 
That's why CBD oil is bad news. Technically proven that you absorb 450% more CBD with Caliber CBD powder. Don't you agree, Jim? Jim Jeffries even agrees with me. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code Whitney at trycaliper.com slash Whitney. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. And if you don't love it, they'll give you a full refund. And Jim Jeffries will also send you some cash. That's trycaliper.com slash Whitney. Don't forget promo code Whitney for 20% off your first order. Go get your problem solved. That's why I'm worried about when comedy comes back from the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Because, like, remember, like, the month after Trump got elected, how terrible comedy was? (laughs) How fucking terrible everything was? Yes. Because every comic is just like this orange Cheeto. And you're like, we've all heard it. It's like, this is an original. We're sick of this. Like, talk about anything else. When we come back from the pandemic, it's like, get ready for a lot of mask jokes, (laughs) you know? A lot of Purell jokes are coming down the pike. And it's like, you're using an emotion someone already has to cheat. You know what I mean? Or you're playing into their guilt or you're playing into their self-righteousness. You're getting like woke points. That's not comedy, Mm -hmm. you know? And also, I think that's why touring is so important. And you see the difference between comics who really tour and really do the work and the ones that don't. Because I remember my last special I was working. And everyone was talking about Me Too. That's all anybody was talking about until the pandemic canceled Me Too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just put a pin in that um and uh and i ever all anyone's talking about in la so i write like an hour about me too right and i go to houston and i'm like yeah so you know cat calling and you know guys that pinch their asses at work and this woman in the front row just yelled take the compliment and move on <laughs> she was like what are you talking about like we don't like and it was just you know it's so important you know i think to tour you know, and you really do that work in a way that's always inspires me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think if you, you can tell the comics who you can tell the comics who stay in L.A. Mm-hmm. the whole time until they have an hour and then mm-hmm. they record it and the people who go everywhere. Yeah. And do it a million times. And so you said something earlier that um, when you said like the character, like, do you feel like w- w- who you are on stage is a character? Because I don't see it that way. Uh, I, I was like a, a rereading an article about myself, as, <laughs> as I sometimes do. And someone had described it as like, it's me minus the warmth. Mm. You know, there is some warmth there. And I just like, I just kind of take that away in order to be a little more of a villain. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's you know? interesting. I just enjoy playing the villain so much. Well, it's nice because I think that it's just like an absence. Of, I think people don't understand like the boxing match that is comedy i mean it's like it to me i always when i see younger comedians and think about myself as a young comedian i'm like oh you just can't let them have any power Mm -hmm. and that's how they want it they want you to be in charge you know like i was um uh with the cancel culture thing something that did blow my mind is i was at the comedy store a couple months back and a comedian uh that you could probably guess was doing a joke about fat chicks big joke about big chunk about fat chicks and a woman in like the third row just went, can you stop? <laughs> I mean, it was shocking. It was a it was a wild heckle. Like we're used to like suck my dick or what, like that we can handle. But just could you stop? There's a woman. Everybody heard it. It was that's like every comedian's nightmare. That heckle. You know, that's just the one we're not we don't have a comeback for, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, and he sort of was like, huh? And I was like, you First of all, so interesting that the audience is now like we next joke, like comedians are jukeboxes now. No one would ever do that to you. 
I had it. I had it once. I'm, I'll never forget Kentucky. They were like, they were like, move on next. Like, and I was like, toward the end of my set, I've been killing, and I was talking about murder suicide, and they were like, wow. enough of this. And I go, guys, I'm a movie. <laughs> you paid to see the movie. There, I, I know you're upset right now. You're gonna be upset for a couple minutes, and it's only gonna get. And I've got a bit after that that's even worse. But everyone paid money to see this movie. I'm not changing it for you. Like, watch the movie. Do you think he walked into a hornet's nest? No, I think it was. I think it was a late show in fucking Kentucky, right. and it was just this one. It was and that, that bit killed the rest of the weekend, the rest of the tour. It was just yeah. this one night that people were like, they were, they were. It was a check drop, and they were oh, just like, worse. They, they just heard suicide and were like, stop this. Well, and you I know, like, you no, said, yeah, of course, you've seen Jim Jeffries, the that video where he got punched on stage. Yes, and I believe it was a suicide joke. Yeah, you know that is a fucking tricky. Um, I want to ask you because we. Um, since we started together and since we've seen so many people, like who are you excited to watch when you're in a comedy club, if they come by? Like, do you ever? <laughs> like, I just mean, are you ever like, I wanna see, like, I never get to watch anyone set, but is there anyone you're like, I can actually be a fan and just watch this person. I have that with you. I have it with Sabat. Like, there's a couple people that I. It's funny. The only comics I watch really on stage, and I was I was telling this to Rogan when I did his podcast, are Rogan, Dalia, and Sebastian, because mm -hmm. those are the three comics that I follow when I go to the yeah. store. Yeah, yeah. You know, also like sometimes yeah. Ali Wong, I'll see some of hers. Yeah. You know, or I'll like, uh, but like, you, there's usually like three people in between us. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. So it's yeah. like I'm gonna be at the back bar chilling, like, yes. and I'll see some of it. But like, I remember when I was in New York at the Comedy Cellar, it was like a David tells a religion. You know, yes. still is. Yeah. So, uh, like, comics would go downstairs, and I went downstairs every night to watch it tell. Yeah. And then one night I was on stage somewhere else, and I did one of his mannerisms because it's like fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, it's just fun to do yes. that I was like, shit. It's like and I a... went to the comedy cellar, and I went to Esty, if you remember, like Esty mm -hmm. from the cellar, who like books the cellar and like is like the, 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 the you know, the, the motherly figure of the cellar. Yeah. And I was like, Esty, like, confessionally, like, Esty. I think I have to stop watching David Tell. Like I'm starting to act like him. And yeah. she and I thought she was gonna be like, Oh, I guess you're not a real comic. Yeah. And she goes, Good. More people should stop watching David Tell. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like, what everyone so does many in the people beginning. Yeah. That I don't like I'm worried about picking things up from people. Mm -hmm. You know, Me so too. there's very few comics. Like you have to be like really absurd. Like Nate Bargatze. Yeah, I love Nate. I love to watch because it's like there's gonna be no overlap. No chance. And I can just enjoy it. It's surprising to mm -hmm. me and enjoyable. Like I like absurdism. Mm -hmm. Someone's like, you'd love this guy, he's dark. It's like, no, I'm not. Like if like if someone's like, oh, my friend, you remind me of my friend. I'm like, I bet I fucking hate your friend if I met your friend. <laughs> I bet I fucking hate him. You know, I don't want to see stuff like me. So I can enjoy everything, but like to run into the room and watch, it's like, I just don't want anyone in my head. Interesting. I don't want to hear any topic and be like, oh, like, yeah. I don't want that. It's so, just, yeah. I always wonder because people like are always the like, comedians are so miserable and da, 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 and I don't agree with that necessarily. It's a, it's a wild blanket statement. I think but, everyone's miserable. Like correct. it's like more dentists kill themselves than anyone else. Like what? No one Bets. talks about that. Yeah. yeah. It's just, we advertise it. Yeah. We just let everybody know. Right. Exactly. Um, but, uh, I do think it's interesting that we got into comedy because we loved it and it's sort of being a comedian has taken away the ability to enjoy it. 
it's mm-hmm. like, you know, like I was just hanging out with this guy and all he f- talks about is comedy. Like, and I just, and that episode of Arrested Development and that episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and that, oh my God, that Anthony Jeselnik joke or that Chappelle joke. And I'm just like, oh, like I just, it's all work to me. It's all like, yeah, no, I know that. I know I fucking didn't think of that premise. No, like I got it. No, I know I didn't book that job. Like all the things that normally entertain people that are their escape from their problems are our to me have been toxified and poisoned yes <laughs> and i realized that i can't really enjoy television i can't really enjoy oh, no. comedy someone's like what's the funniest show of the past 20 years the sopranos yeah you know what i mean like i laugh my ass off yeah. and but it's got like nothing to do with comedy mm. it just is legitimately funny yeah i had a friend a long time ago say i've seen so much comedy that the only way you can make me laugh is if you're a genius or my friend I can watch a friend and laugh and enjoy them having a good set or a bad set. I can watch a friend bomb and have a great time doing it. And not in in a bad way. Yeah. Like I've definitely eaten and walked off stage and seen Morgan (laughs) Murphy being like, like just like delighted. And so Morgan. And it doesn't bother me at all. I'm like, I'm glad you got something out of it. So what are you doing all day? You're not on Instagram. You're can't watch TV. What is what's what are you doing? Like during the pandemic or in general? Just both. I, I mean, during the pandemic, I read a lot mm-hmm. and I try to find excuses not to drink. <laughs> like you asking me to do this, knowing I had to be on camera yeah. and be here and do this with you. I didn't drink all week. Really? Because I didn't want to embarrass myself. Okay. I didn't want to show up looking puffy and shitty. No, and like great. this guy, like this guy's been letting himself go. Like I was like, okay, I have this excuse. Mm-hmm. There was one night where I like poured myself a glass of like vodka rocks. Uh-huh. And Moshe Kasher called me and was like, hey, would you call into our podcast tonight and do this thing with us at like nine o'clock at night? And it uh-huh. was like three in the afternoon. Yeah. And I was like, yes. And then like poured <laughs> the drink away and then like sat there and waited for the podcast. Like it was just, like, I need these things to do. Yeah. To keep myself, be- and it's like my therapist is like, "Why are you drinking so much?" I'm like, "Because uh-huh. it's boring as fuck." Yeah, I'm not a big TV guy. If it wasn't for that Chicago Bulls documentary, I wouldn't be watching anything. Right, right, right. right. But like reading to me is almost like meditation. And what are you reading? I just finished the Woody Allen memoir. Oh, really? Fucking phenomenal. Really? Phenomenal. It's him. Yeah. Apropos of nothing. The new one. Yes. The one that was at Random House like canceled and when canceled, released? and then it went somewhere else. Whoa, and it's, do tell. It's amazing. It's funny. It's light. Uh-huh. He doesn't like get into the technical stuff of his movies because he's like, I don't care. Uh-huh. It's like amazing to see what a genius like that cared about and, and dismissed as like what's important and, and what's not. And just so you know, fans of the pod all know, I hate Woody Allen. Movies or him? I don't think I don't think the movies are good or funny. I, I like I'm not a huge fan of the movies. There's I a love couple like Blue Jasmine. Parts of I think it. is brilliant, and I think he's brilliant at casting. Yes. I just I and Annie Hall like I love because of her, but I go back and I look. Nothing in those movies makes me laugh, and I don't like emasculated men. I just don't. No, don't love his movies. I thought his stand up yeah. was great. Yeah. But well. the book is like very. It doesn't really get into the movies, and he gets into the molestation scandal and the Sunni thing hard where it's like you're so used to like a guy like Louis going on stage and kind of like getting around you know getting around it but he like it's like most of the book is like detailing where I don't see how you can read the book and still think that that that, that he did it and that Mia Farrow's not batshit crazy and that Ronan Farrow isn't off that's one of Ronan Farrow Ronan Farrow in the book he's, he's Ronan Farrow had that <laughs> surgery to get taller where they break your legs several times and make you make you like six inches taller. 
because he wants to like get into politics one day and you have to be taller to be in politics and it's like it's like that's me uh doing this like it makes me a pharaoh sound completely insane in a way that you're like yeah i can imagine this and like a lot of his like relationships were kind of toxic he's very open about it he was attracted to crazy women yeah. who were beautiful yeah and didn't see the red flags yeah but he gets into it in a way that i have not seen a comic do wow they all kind of try to sidestep it and i like i'm reading this book and it's wow. fascinating it's interesting it's hard to separate the art and the artist isn't it because all of his movies are so fucking pervy it's so hard mm -hmm. to imagine like why like what he did with Meryl Hemingway back in the fight, she was like 16 years old and like the kid, and he was like 45 in the movie. Like why, like age, I've always just thought it was a creep and I feel like women, we just have this like sixth sense, which I know is not like something that, you know, um, is, is easy to explain, you know, it, that, uh, having a gut is not enough for something to happen legally, but you're just like, that guy's just, I, we just know who's fucking gross yeah. and don't. It's just like a sixth sense you develop over time mm -hmm. where you just have to go like, Neh. Like his movies creep me out way yes, more than the book dude. did. Way more than the book did. Dude, Christy Fixtina by Barcelona. It's just, there's no story. He was just like, I want to make a movie where Scarlett Johansson and Penelope Cruz fuck each other. I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go to space. Like that's how I feel like he makes his movies. I was more creeped out about him describing those actresses. Him yeah. describing Scarlett Johansson, him describing Emma Stone, just like how, like in yeah. a complimentary way, but in this like, like is your wife mad at you right yeah. now for this for what you just said? Then I was about him talking about the scandal and Mia Farrow. It's also the way he dresses. His actresses are always so they're always in like khaki shorts. Like he's just got a very specific thing that he does where he sort of desexualizes them in some physically in some ways. Like they don't get to wear makeup. Like he has a very specific idea of of what the how they're. It's a very controlling um, aesthetic. They're always in like off like uh green army shorts have you noticed this scarlett johansson always looks like she just came out of like a fucking madewell sale i i've got to admit i've only seen like like six or seven of his movies they're all Lifetime. the same they're all the exact same story exact same thing i just i i i have so much vitriol over like because i just think his he was such a good comedian that we think his movies are good but like you know he was like the dane cook of his day let's be honest i, I remember seeing vicky vicky christina barcelona with a date and as someone I was dating at the time, mm -hmm. a long-term relationship. And mm -hmm. it's all about like, there is no monogamy. Like, let's all like oh, share. Oh, Jesus, yeah. And I'm like walking out. And I'm like, I love that movie. <laughs> and they're crying. Fight. They're like crying. And I'm like, no, I loved it because I saw it with you. Because everyone in that movie is a fucking idiot. And I'm yeah. glad we're not them. And they were like. What, are you, do you get in a lot of fights in your relationships? No, I get into one. What? what? At the end. Can I get <laughs> Like I, everything is so good. Like in the beginning, I'm yeah. just like so happy and I'm enamored yeah. and everything's great. Yeah. And I'm you move and I, quickly. And I'm very yeah. Like if it if the passion's there, okay. Then I'm like I'm in. You're like in. I'm okay. in totally. And then I'm I'm very uh, conflict averse. You know I don't want to. I forgive quickly. And if I'm in trouble, like if someone starts crying, I'm like, what can I do to make you stop crying? Yeah. What can I do? Uh, I'll do whatever. And sometimes afterwards, I'll be like annoyed that I did that, but that's my reaction is okay. to make me stop crying. Okay. And I avoid conflict and I'm I'm very willing to forgive. But that one fight that we get into, it's like because we're not used to fighting, mm -hmm. it's over. But again, I haven't been in a relationship Interesting. in seven years. Okay, so because you say we, we don't fight, we don't fight, we don't fight. So by the time we do fight, there's yeah. no practice or there's no- There's no practice. It's like, it's like the, the shine is off. And now I guess this is over. That it's like I that's I think it's like part of the immaturity. Mm -hmm. Maybe just the relationships that I've had, but yeah. it's like the, I'm not a big fighter. 
People who want to fight for the sake of fighting, well, no, no, might that's get, just get out childish. of here. Yeah, that's you're just childish. you just want to yell, and I'm not into that. Yes, but it's like once we get into like a real fight, I'm just like, mm-hmm. all right, like the bloom is off the rose. Yes, uh, maybe we don't break up right now, but like we're it's, on that path. It's the resentment is building, and mm-hmm. the writing's on the wall. Yeah, what does your therapist say about it? Okay, like <laughs> I, I I've said this, and this is through therapy, and I'm I'm a huge like people. Some people are like I I don't see a therapist. It's like I'm I've been seeing a therapist for seven years, and I'm very into it. What put you into it? Um, getting famous. Interesting. Like 2013, it was mm-hmm. like I'm getting a TV show. Yep. Like I've got like I'm 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 places like I've got to deal with this. Yes. I had people in my family who I wanted to see see a therapist who like were like no I'm not doing that dumb shit that I was uh-huh. like if I can go and explain it to them what it's like maybe uh-huh. that'll help them. Okay. And I got so much out of it that I was yeah. like I'm gonna keep doing this. Yeah. But I would say I'd rather be lonely than annoyed. And I just I've tried to force a relationship just to be like I'm by myself all the time like mm-hmm. I don't go to parties because it's just me showing up by myself that like just have someone to go to a party with would would change my life like like immensely mm-hmm. because I would just do more things. You know, I'm not like a big- You don't go to parties alone? I, I do, but I don't go, I don't get invited to a lot of, you know what I mean? Like really? people think I'm gone or don't want to do things, but if I'm with someone, it softens me. Here, and but it's I like will... as a date, like a double date kind of thing. But uh, but I would I would just, I get so annoyed. Like quarantine, it's like, would you, like people who are like, how are you quarantining alone? I'm like, how are you quarantining with... with someone? Because I would lose my fucking mind. Correct. I would murder someone. Correct. If I had to deal with it. I am fascinated by what you just said because I feel like we might be somewhere in this way. Is that when I don't get invited to something, I get annoyed. Like, why don't people invite? What? And then when I ask, they'll be like, well, I just figured you were busy. Like, I just... People don't think to invite me to things. Part of it's a co- comedy thing where you're on the road all the time. That's right. You know, like you're That's in a right. relationship, so you're yeah. always like watching movies, and then you break up, and yes. you gotta like remind your friends yes. again that you're friends. Yes, 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 yeah. It's I'm like back. that I'm back. only for like years. Yes. They're like, oh, I thought you were on the road. I thought you were busy. Yes. Like, I just didn't occur to me that on a Friday night you would be around and want to like watch a movie with my friends. It's like I would love to. Like, I would love to do this dumb shit, but people don't think to. I'm guilty. I literally would never think to ask you to hang out. No. A lot of people don't. And like, I think of the same thing of like. Didn't I send you a text once where I was like, do you want to hang out? And you were like, no, thanks. I've done that. I've done that. I, I once. I was, and I couldn't tell if you were joking. I, I definitely was partially. The meanest thing I've ever said to someone. Do you remember Dan Bilak? Yeah, of course. Dan Bilak was once like, hey, like, you know, me and my girlfriend were like thinking like maybe double dates sometime. Like, we would love to like hang out. And I go, we're not really in the market for new friends. <laughs> meanest thing i've ever said to By the way, but you didn't write like I'm, i could probably find it you didn't write like lol jk or no i never like write that. that i never <laughs> write that we'll go through times where we're like really texting a lot especially during quarantine and then i'm like oh this should lead to like a hang and then i and i think i was like oh i'm gonna go for it want to hang out and you're like no i'm good <laughs> yeah, i mean if i if i want to hang out i'm like yeah let's do it but if i truly don't yeah like i've just learned it's okay to say no and people right. laugh when you do it that like not like you want to go see this movie? No. Nope. I'm finally able to do that, and I actually think it brings you closer. Oddly, unfortunately, yeah, it's the an very, honesty. You don't feel like someone's like doing it on purpose. The very people you're trying to repel, you're just bonding closer to you. Mm-hmm. Um, we've texted a lot. Jesus Christ! I feel like we're getting closer as we get older. I believe so. I feel like we're finally coming together. What's up with the dog? I thought you were gonna get a dog. I saw you that were on the Twitter. One, you, you tweeted at me not to get the dog. 
Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I've been drunk I, for the past month. I have no I idea got, what's going on. I like the first two weeks of this quarantine were the worst for me where I, because I was getting ready to do a TV show. So I was like working out five days a week. I was like in the writer's room. We had like seven of the eight scripts done. We're like, okay, get preparing. And then it was like, okay, nope, this is not happening. Where I kind of like, I went from not drinking at all or smoking pot at all to being like, let's go. And had a couple days in a row where I went off and I went online. I was on Twitter just thinking I was being funny. But the next day, everyone's like, you need to, the, something's like, are you okay? Yeah. And one of the things, the first thing I was like, I'm going to get a dog. And then <laughs> I was like going off about other shit. And you were like, maybe you shouldn't be getting a dog. And <laughs> I, I was, was like, joking. I know, but still I was like, like for literally to the, like every day for one hour a day, I'm on my couch reading. I pretend I have a dog. And it's laying on my couch and I'm petting it and I'm loving it. And then for the rest of the day, I'm glad I don't have the dog. Because I live in a small place. Okay. This is like, an, you have an amazing house. I worry if I lived in a place like this, it would take away my work ethic. You know, that I would just be too relaxed. Yeah. My home looks almost like a boxing gym for writers. Okay. If that makes sense. That yeah. Like I need this sort of space. Yeah. And it's not conducive yeah. to an animal at all. But- what it took me a long time to learn this uh someone way smarter than me explained it to me that actually not that i'm saying you should get a dog i'm not trying to pressure you but uh they like small spaces because the more space they have the more territory they think they have to protect so they actually mm -hmm. like their dead animals you know it's more like I, I, your dog is beautiful i like the big dog kind of thing yeah but i just like i also look at my i like my eames chair and i'm <laughs> like if this fucking thing came in and ate my Eames chair. I don't know what I'd do. You would train you know? it to not eat your Eames chair. And you chair. can't, like, it's, it's hard to buy paper towels. You know what I mean? Like, I would just, I have, like, I'll give them if the I had to go to a vet, you know, I'm just I'm just glad that I don't. But when people, when I go to someone's house, we have, like, a socially distanced, yeah. like, dinner. Uh -huh. I'm so happy when they have a dog. And yeah. I'm like, oh, and I, I truly love dogs. Yes. I, I like cats, too. Uh -huh. But I'm more dog guy because you don't have to have the box of shit in yeah. the house. But I thought if I had, like, a backyard. Yeah, you know, I would, I would be, I would have a dog, and the fact that the people did a run on shelters, where like shelters emptied out, that I'm like, okay, like so that's kind of over. I also, dog bites are up three hundred percent because I, I, people rescued a bunch of dogs. They had no idea what the fuck they were doing with. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people to give them back. It's yeah. like this is too anxious. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. people just like threw a dog in that wasn't socialized and like let their kid just start hitting it, and I'm just like, dude, like. It's been a disaster. I was walking with a friend the other day, and there's this guy's holding this, this like two guys smoking a joint outside a van. Like mm -hmm. this is in like Hollywood. He's got this one of those tiny little dogs. You know, those little like yeah. kind of like little ratty dogs. Yeah. It looks like you wouldn't be scared of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend and I are walking by, and it like and she had been bitten in the face as a child. Oh, Jesus. so she's very scared of dogs. But this is like a tiny dog, and this dog just like out of nowhere mm -hmm. just goes after her, yeah, and like bites literally her like Achilles tendon in that Jesus. area, yeah, and just starts going nuts, and she's screaming trying to get away, and the guy, the stoner guy, is so That's shocked me. that his little dog did something and was like, and finally pulls it away, and I'm like, are we about to go to the fucking emergency room with like, and she was wearing ankle weights, and the dog just happened, yeah, and just happened, <laughs> the dog got the ankle weight. The dog got the ankle weight. Did she tell you that story? No, a friend of a mutual friend of ours. She was just on Instagram the other day and she just wrote, putting my weight, ankle weights on. And I was like, oh, Ricky Lindholm wears ankle weights? Like, I just said never. So it's yeah, just... that was her, like, that's her way to, like, exercise. And it was, it was just like, it just happened to just get the ankle weight and nothing else. And the, the guys were totally like, like, I was like, the, I, that dog must have reacted to the ankle weight. Interesting, probably. Because, because like, right. the guy seemed so surprised that his dog did that at all. 
Even if it's like a dog, like lunging no, orange cone. No, I think cone. that people's dogs who routinely bite people, they're just doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And they're constantly shocked. And they just have sort of like um, their dog is up on a pedestal and they just sort of have gauze over their eyes. and like, oh, my dog would never do that. And I'm like, bitch, I saw your dog do that at the dog park for the last three weeks in a row. Your dog always does this. It's just like people cannot accept that their dogs have bad behavior and they won't just course correct. So I would not be surprised if that happened fucking a lot. Dogs don't just decide to do something different today that they've never done before. But this sometimes you like you pull on the leash a little bit. You yeah. Know I mean, like you see someone coming and you're like, yeah. you get the leash. This guy didn't do. He was just like, oh, yeah. Wow. I'm sure weird. it happens all the fucking yeah. time. But but um, small dogs actually bite way more than big dogs. Chihuahuas bite uh, way more than pit bulls. It's just they don't leave a mark. So they don't end up being like news stories yeah you know because they have to be have a napoleon complex because they're small i had a friend who uh his one of my old roommates had a girlfriend who had a pit bull it was Mm -hmm. the sweetest thing in the world yeah had no teeth so it was like no Uh, danger to anyone so sweet but if it saw another dog it would lose its goddamn mind where you'd be walking it and all of a sudden you're like and everyone's staring at you and it's like screaming that i'm like i can't have this no and you don't know until you buy a dog. Like I have friends who live in houses, like a beautiful house, yeah. and you hear dogs barking all over the neighborhood. Then I'm like, how do you know until you move in yeah. what this is gonna be like? That's right. That I, that scares me about getting a dog. Is like, is this gonna be a barker? Yeah. You know, I live in like a building. I yes. don't want my neighbors hating me because my dog is going off. Any dogs with prey drive, if they hear stuff, they think, you know, anything in the walls, air conditioning, like apartment living can be harder for dogs with prey drive. Mm-hmm. Um, terrier, shepherds, stuff like that. Australian shepherds, everyone's buying Australian. Oh, they're very beautiful. Gorgeous. Run the fuck out. But they're heard. They get very stressed out when things aren't organized. When I lived in New York, I like the really, like I wanted a Great Dane. So, someone my offered favorite. to drop me off like a Great Dane puppy He's at my house. Great Dane, yeah. They're beautiful and like Mastiffs I love, like uh, the really big horses. ones. I was in New York and I really wanted a Mastiff because mm-hmm. people are like, they're kind of apartment dogs. Like They can just take a little space and just chill yes, all day they long. they sleep all day. And I was like, great, I want to, I'm going to get a Mastiff. Mm-hmm. One day I'm on Fifth Avenue in New York City and I see this couple, mm-hmm. this guy and this girl who were both models. Like they were beautiful. <laughs> they look like, almost like brother and sister, but not quite, just enough that it was like, okay. <laughs> I feel like all male and female models look like yeah. brother and sister. And they're like, they're wearing like, they're, like, they're, like they're, they're dressed immaculately. They're like, they're like a black hat and they're walking these two gorgeous Mastiffs. And I'm just like, oh, that's like the life. Like that's what I want. Uh-oh. And then one of the Mastiffs stops in the <laughs> middle of Fifth Avenue on the sidewalk and takes the biggest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> and the guy pulls out an entire roll of paper towels <laughs> and just starts smearing this puddle up for 10 minutes. And I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm good. Um, okay, so you have not been in a relationship in seven years. That's a long time. This mm-hmm. means you're not an addict. Congrats. Thank you. Good Thank for you. you. <laughs> Must be nice. I mean, I was in constant relationships for a long time. Okay. And then I just like was like, oh, this I feel is like so much I better. thought that about you. I feel like in our twenties, I was like, oh, he's like a serial monogamous. Yeah, I was. Right. I was. Yeah. I always had someone, and then I would like almost go like almost right away. Like I would leave that person for the next one. Yeah. And then eventually, you like, know, you went on a couple that. dates with the, my best friend. Which, which one? <laughs> My best friend, when we were like, and actually you handled it so well, I'm not going to put her on blast on this, but she, you guys went on a couple dates and then you called her and you said, Hey, I'm getting back with my ex. And you said it in like a very classy way. Was she the girl with the broken, broken? Yes. yes, That was the problem. She was like, it was super into me. And I was like, I can't start dating someone with a broken (laughs) leg. Like she's cool. And I did, I did get back with my ex. But we met and we're like flirting at a table, Wait, and she had she got hit by a 
a car. She got hit by a car. Like before, like a, after I met her, she had already been hit by the car. And she had this giant boot on and these crutches. And I was like, you can't start a relationship. Like you can't do this. That Like we did go out, but I was just like, this is a non-starter. It had nothing to do with her as a personality. But there's no way you can get but into a relationship. But you asked her out after her foot had already been broken. I know, but we were like sitting there. It would be like you and me sitting here like this. <laughs> so and you didn't notice up and she had a like, broken leg. Until I knew, she but stood I didn't up. realize how it was going to annoy me. Like how it was going to be like I can't. Like we can't start this way. You can't fuck. I mean, it's weird. Yeah, the whole thing that I just I, like it was it was like it was such a turnoff in a way that I can't be like <laughs> I'm not going to like correct her or be like this is the reason that I can't do this. But it truly was like she was a lovely girl, but it was just it was like it was like oh, six months of this. And then we find out what you're really like. I couldn't I just couldn't do it. But I did get back together with an ex. That is but true. Was, it was such a that turn wasn't up. a lie. Uh, but oh, <laughs> hold on. I remember when it happened. It was at El Cid on Sunset. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Her she had been hit by a car and broke her foot. She, she was, was jogging on she the crosswalk. Was, that's right. She was yeah. on crutches and had a giant boot. And then you asked her out. Yeah, well, we met. It was like someone else's birthday party. Yes. It was her birthday party. Uh, her and Ginny's, yeah. And uh, I remember Topher Grace singing her happy birthday. That's right. Like, that's this right. is interesting. Yeah. But we were just talking <laughs> yes. and we were just like, we had a connection <laughs> that I was like, all right, cool. And then yes. like when we went out, I was like, <laughs> oh fuck like it's gonna take you this long to sit down like i just it just i just could not do it and i remember being like him her being like i'm going out with anthony i'm like what like is that his thing like he's into like like girls that are broke and can't move around like what it, and it's played so much into the fact that i thought you were like this dark guy i was like oh yeah he's into women that are like suffering and in pain and no. like incapacitated yeah no. of course this like, tracks sitting down talking i was like this is cool like clearly you're flirting with me like i'm into this and then like moving around i was just like oh uh like <laughs> not gonna work that is so funny not gonna work but then i remember because she called me it is very hard to end an embryonic dating situation mm -hmm. it's easier i think to end a monogamous relationship because you can go well you're a fucking asshole or you lie to me or i'm, I'm out of ending something after a couple dates is weirdly harder mm -hmm. and it's also this was like before ghosting like ghosting i don't feel like that was a thing till recently no you couldn't do it then you had to tell them why you were going to stop calling them yeah you know and no guy's ever done it elegantly it never goes well um and she called me and she's like yeah he's getting back with his ex and like no one was mad yeah that never happens like i was very i was respectful i wasn't like a jerk it mm -hmm. wasn't like well you do this mm -hmm. it was like you're great yeah you know we just met and it was like early enough we had been on like maybe one day i think we had like yeah. maybe kissed yeah 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 there was no like i was like what would it be like to lay down with someone with like fucking half their leg in it like <laughs> and like an iron lung like i just like it just it just, just it just it wasn't like a turn off it was just seemed it was on i just couldn't get my mind around it I couldn't get my mind around it. It's also so weird because I was like, I was one of my best and oldest friends and she's like, everyone just loves her. Like every, she's like so effervescent. She like looks like Kate Hudson. She's super smart. She was like running production at Paramount. Like she's like a badass. Mm -hmm. And I remember going, okay, Anthony's gonna ask her, her with a broken leg is better than me fully functioning i was like i gotta work on my personality because guys would just ask her out incapacitated before they would ask me out like fully able to fuck mm. and i remember being like there's something really repellent about me 
there was a, I didn't ask out a lot of comedians like in the beginning because it was like, you know, in that beginning, like when someone's like, let's write together, we should hang out and write. You know, I had a couple of those where I was like, oh, this is like, oh, no, this is weird yeah. where I'm just going to be professional yeah. with comedians, occasionally meet a friend and, you know, if someone like really flirted and it was like, oh, this is like, there's a chemistry here. Mm -hmm. I've obviously dated comedians before. Yeah. Um, but I like, don't think I've ever dated a comedian. No. I've dated a few. Mm -hmm. I've dated in the beginning. It was like it seemed like the thing to do. Right, right, right. right. And now it's like the last thing in the world. Yeah. I uh, I want to do. Yeah. And uh, let me ask you something. Why shouldn't people date comedians, and why shouldn't comedians date comedians? Um, I think that comedians are a little bit like it's like it's like a writer and an actor combined. Mm -hmm. It's like that temperamental mm -hmm. and that insecurity that they're always going to be like. Mm -hmm. It's not always you. Sometimes it's like, like I just once had like a relationship end that had been like a long time because I was just like having a hard time working at Fallon, but I didn't want to complain right. about my job. So I just like kind of closed off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we like shut down that it's like, you got to deal with like, you've got to deal with the artistic temperament yes. and the schedule yes. of a comedian. Yes. And comedians dating each other is tough because, and, and like, uh, explain this perfectly. Like, let's say... Let's say you and I date, mm -hmm. all right? We date for a while. Okay. And then we break up and then you date Crystalia. Okay. All right? Now Crystalia knows everything about me. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? That yes. it's like this kind of yes. like, it's, it's, yes. that's part of the attraction yes. is that you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Also, you've got to yes. see each other all the time. But there's something that's just like. Something really self-destructive. You're almost poisoning the community right. by doing it. And I think as you get, as you get, like now it's, we're almost like brother and sister because we've known each other for so long. That's right. That unless there was some like Woody Allen moment where we're like <laughs> under the moonlight and we like have this like epiphany. I'm wearing Woody Allen pants. I'm wearing fucking the exact shit that Emma Stone wears in every one of his movies. Yeah. Just like I'm so relatable. I'm so like effortlessly sexy. Interesting because I've always like, and as I sort of get older and I'm like more able to wrap my head around my character defects and like how to rectify them and course correct them and realizing that when I date someone who's not a comedian, I just, I realize like a lot of at least men and I hate to bring gender into it because I'm sure it goes the other way. I just don't, I just don't know. But a lot of men need women to laugh at them. It's very simple. Everyone needs, I mean, I'm sure everyone needs that on some level. Right. And when I, when something's funny, I say that's funny. That's how we laugh sometimes, you know, like, oh, that's funny. And it's like, you know, a mixture of either uh, being dismissive to try to get you to just stop doing whatever you're doing because it's making me uncomfortable. Like uh, people trying to be funny that aren't comedians, it sometimes makes me uncomfortable if it's feeling forced, right? I dated a comic once <laughs> who would get so mad at me, who was like, who like, I could not convince that I thought they were funny. Right. Like I could, and I was like, I wouldn't be with you if I didn't think you were funny. Right, I could right, not right. Do it. But they would ask me something and I go like, that's funny. Like, try it. Like, try it on stage. They could ask me about a joke. Yeah. And they would go, you don't say that. When you think something's funny, you don't say that's funny. You go like this. You go. You know what I mean? When you like think of a joke. Yes. You don't laugh. You yes. go. You, it's yes. like this epiphany thing where you kind of like stop and like, like we'd be talking and I would go. And she'd go, what did you just say? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I know it's some great joke. Yes. And it would like kill them that I never did that for them. Even though I'd be like, that's funny. Like, mm -hmm. like, try it. Mm -hmm. like, go ahead like right. oh, a good one right you know or like haha and they'd be like that's not what you that's do that's not and, and i i cannot fake i can fake a lot of things uh i cannot fake laugh at somebody and i realize and 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 like a couple relationships ago I, I i just realized with this guy he would get so angry at me he would get so angry when we go to a party and i'd make people laugh we'd get in the car and he'd literally be like what the fuck was that 
good it's like I just like I I'm just I I'm programmed to try to make strangers laugh. I don't know how else to attune to them. It's a, they act as if you like went and started arm wrestling everyone and won. You know what I mean? Like I've I know a girl who was like I was dating a guy that I was really into. Mm-hmm. He was really cool, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I'm breaking up with you." And she goes, "Why?" And he goes, "I've got to be the funny one." Aye. And she goes, "But you're not funny." <laughs> she goes, "You don't even try to be funny. Like no one would ever just." And he goes, "And he goes, I know, but I have to be the funny one in the relationship. Like I can't have you." And I was just like. That sounds fucking tragic, and but I but I understand. It's not a judgment, and I realized I was like, oh, this guy doesn't want a girlfriend; he wants a fan, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm just not a fan of your comedy, like, <laughs> you know. And I sort of was like, and then it's only now that I've been like, do I have to date a comedian? Like, I mean, we know everyone, so that'd be impossible. But I just sort of like, what's well, so, like, who do we date? Because I and I also realize as I say this, I reduce people to their jobs. You are your job to me, and mm-hmm. that's something I need to work on. Like, and a lot of my girlfriends do this. Will be like, well, you know who you need an architect. That's what you need. Someone who's like smart. And it's like you can't reduce someone to their job, I guess. I have a, a real problem. And I've like and I've tried to find a relationship. I would love to. I, I wouldn't. It's not like I'm against them. Mm-hmm. But I found that a lot of people treat me like a lottery ticket, like a winning lottery. ticket. Yeah. You know, it's like you're successful. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not ugly. Old Mickey blue you're eyes. Like, you've got ambition is a big thing. By you know, the way, it's not not just being like on being Instagram successful. is a fuck. is such a giant check in the pro column, too, because yeah. such a big part of relationships now is like, OK, you follow 15 porn stars and you follow all your exes. Like it's just someone not being on Instagram is like, <sighs> it takes yeah. off so many um, future uh, sort of anxieties. Yeah. People just try to go to like from like zero to married with me or they just like they're, they're way too excited when I'm like, this is still like first date territory. You need to chill out. But they just get too excited that it, it like it, it turns me off. And where you meet these people online? Um, sometimes online, sometimes like after a show, like at the store or something. Well, I'll, that I'll meet somebody you, I, then afterwards. that's someone who's a fan of yours. But, but I've met people who aren't fans and we start talking and then they find out what you do. You know, where you've been talking to someone and then someone else walks up and like, Whitney, like, yeah, and then yeah, they're yeah. like, then you're like, the fucking coolest. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because I yeah. never assume someone knows who I am. Interesting. Ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I've made appointments for mm-hmm. stuff, and then I show up, and they're like, right this way, and I'm like, how did you... And they're like, we know who you are. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, I just cooler. don't like that. It's, it feels like a certain pressure mm-hmm. that I don't... And, and I don't... And it's not reciprocated. Yeah. It's like, you're way more into me than I am into you, and maybe I could have gotten there, uh-huh. but I just feel your excitement, and it's like, it grosses me out. It's, it's like, repellent. It, but what if yeah. it's for you, Anthony, not Anthony? What if it's not for the celebrity Anthony Chesney? What if it's just for someone likes you? Can you... Same guy. Can you... <laughs> minus the warmth. Can you like someone that likes you? Yeah, I can like them, but I just don't... I might not, may not be, want to be in a relationship. That's right. You know, like, I like to have friends. Uh-huh. You know, I like to spend time with people. Right. And I like to be close with people. And I'm happy to, like, you know share secrets and talk about things I wouldn't like yeah. that wouldn't be public with people. Yeah. I, I like being intimate. I don't have a problem with intimacy. It's just if I'm going to like have a partner, mm-hmm. like it's got to be an equal. Equal, interesting. I'm like, I would need to meet like a sculptor who like travels a lot. Like someone who's got, who's an artist, okay. who has their own thing going on. Okay. Who's not like trying yes. to get like, 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 can you help me get a manager? I don't need that shit. No, 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 no. You can't do that. But I also think that sometimes people are like, I want someone with their own thing going on. As long as it's going on at the times I don't want to see you, but not 
the times I do want to see you. Like I found myself doing that. I need someone with a big life and da da da. And then it's like, oh no, you can't go to New Zealand for six months and have a life. Or yeah. I need you to be home from four to six because I leave at seven. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I need you to have a life on my terms. Yeah. Like I realize like how selfish my terms are a lot of the time. But it's interesting because yeah, I I do find myself. I'm not proud of this being slightly repelled by someone who wants to date me too badly. Yeah. You know. You can just feel that energy. Yeah. They're, they're just too excited. Yeah. It's just too excited that you're like, Ugh, I don't like, buy it. Yeah. Or like, I don't want. It's it's a turnoff. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it might just be like a human nature thing and not like, do you know about your attachment strategy? Like, do you have any kind of like, a, like um, the attachment strategies preoccupied, dismissive? You might be secure, actually, which is very rare, which is just like if you're in a relationship with someone and they travel for a week, do you get anxious or insecure? No. Or jealous. No. You don't strike me as someone that gets jealous. I've never gotten jealous never. Like, in my life. Like, I swear to God, and it drives people crazy. <laughs> that should be your People get jealous about me bio. a lot. Like, I've just like- <laughs> I've never got jealous in Because my I life. always think like- That would drive me a little nuts. I always think like, if you don't want, if you want to cheat on me, you don't want to date me, get the fuck out of yes, here. Yes, yes, yes. I don't That's need this. Thing. Like, yeah. I'm cool with I'm you saying I'm out of here. Yeah. But if you like think that like you're like that, like- those movies where the husband wants to leave his wife and doesn't think she can make it, so he tries to kill her. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> it's like she would be okay if you got divorced. Like she would might yeah. cry a little bit, but yeah. you don't have to kill the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've I've never felt <laughs> I've never felt jealousy. And then I, I know I'm gonna have to let you go at some point. I just I feel like I never get to see you. Um the we always ask them on the show, what are some red flags in relationships or just people? Red flags. Being too gung ho. Smiling too much. You know, like, for no reason. Someone like <laughs> smiles so much for no reason. Who like uses things. Someone who uses your name too much when you meet them. Because you know there's like, there's tricks. There's those PR tricks. Yes. You know, like the hello Whitney. Nice to meet you. I'm such a big fan, Whitney. Like those kind of things. It's like a Scientology thing. Over complimentary bugs me. Even with like, executives. Oh. When they're like, I had an executive that was just always like, you're my favorite comedian. And I was like, what would you say if I wasn't? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is like, you're like putting this on me mm -hmm. and making me play this game with you. That's right. I had a meeting with Netflix to market my last special. And they go, you know, Anthony, you're special. And we're in this big like conference room, like this presentation. They go, you know, yours is the first special we've ever gotten that we had no notes on. And I go, it's, I'm so honored that you think I would believe you. <laughs> like what note did you give Chappelle on his last special? What was it? I would love to see the notes email to Bill Burr. I would yeah. love to see that email. Yeah, like that's like, it's one of those things that like, they think it sounds good, but like, I just, I see through a lot of that stuff. Yes, yes. That those things just seem like red flags to me. Yes. Yeah, like when people call their exes crazy, that's mm -hmm. always just so unattractive to me because it's just like, well, you're going to call me crazy when this is done. Mm -hmm. You know, like I know what you're doing. Like it's not making people me who, more into People who badmouth people they used to date, total, it's like, I'm not. Yuck. I once said a friend, I was like, I was like, this person is so beautiful. And they were like, oh, I slept with so-and-so, like this movie star, and they were not good. And I was like, well, you, guess what's never going to happen? Yeah. Guess what's never going to happen? Because all in my head would be like, I better fucking like, I better show, because it's like, it's PR. Yes, you know? 100%. Someone being rude to a waiter, someone being rude like in general, like to Yuck. anyone is is uh, is a red flag to me, mm -hmm. like completely unacceptable. Yuck. Um, any sort of like racial slur to be funny. People like, because they're like, oh, you're a comedian. Like, okay, so three black guys. Yes, like, yes, yeah, yeah, no, 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 mm -mm. no, we're not doing this here. Yeah, fuck, trying to be funny is a red flag. You know, like don't be funny with me. Wow. You don't have to do that. Interesting. You know, or like trying to appear too smart. 
Like that, just like trying too yes, hard. Yes, 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 yes. Like be relaxed. Yes. I I do think though, if I may, you're, it, it, back to where we started, like you give a healthy amount or like you give just enough, you know, that I can see uh, myself certainly 10 years ago being like, you're giving 10, I'm going to give 90. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or like, I think silence is really triggers people. I think it brings out people's um, inner child and makes people start sort of like trying to figure out like what you want and what's going to get you to smile and what's going to get, you know, are you mad or whatever, you know, like they probably project a lot onto you and project their shit onto you and then regress to what worked as a child. Yeah. That would certainly, be my guess. Certainly possible. And I can see um, a lot of like, what are you thinking about? You mad? <laughs> like, I... <laughs> Like, what are you mad about? Fucking everything. <laughs> Have you seen the news? One of my favorite quotes ever, they asked, I forget the writer's name, but they they asked a writer years and years later, I go, what do you think is wrong with the world? Mm -hmm. And he goes, I am. <laughs> and I was like, fuck yeah. Like, that is like my philosophy in a nutshell. That like, if so, if a relationship doesn't work out, I'm not like, this person wasn't good enough. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like, we didn't work out. Yes. But I'm the problem a lot of the time. I'm just very comfortable with mm -hmm. my flaws. You know, okay, we're really gonna go, but last thing I'm gonna ask you for real this time is what's the best advice that you've gotten? If I don't ask this question, people lose their shit. The best advice besides that, the advice from me, the best advice that I've gotten, just in general, honestly, the best advice is when, and this isn't comedy, this is strictly comedy, okay, but when a comedian gives you advice, mm. they're only trying to make you more like them. Isn't that everyone all the time with every? Doesn't that apply to everything? I, I think so. I think it applies across the board. But it, like, if someone's like, "What can you tell me?" I'm like, "I'll say, go see the movie Comedian with Jerry Seinfeld." Yeah, that taught me a lot. Yeah, write as much as you can, get on stage mm -hmm. as much as you can. Those are the only pieces of advice you can give someone. That's right. Because if you're like, "Hey, take the mic out of the stand," no, or like, "Hey, don't laugh at your own jokes," it's like, who am I to say that? Like, mm -hmm. that could be end up becoming right your thing. That like, if I had taken any of the advice people had given me yeah. for the first ten years I did this, that's right, I would not be here. Mm -hmm. But I think like Doug Stanhope said that he was like someone was asking giving him he was asking, giving someone advice that had asked him for advice, and someone came up and was like, "Hey man, when you give someone a comic advice, you're just trying to make them more like you." That is actually to me that is resonating so deeply because my new philosophy is don't ask advice for people that don't have the thing you want that you're asking about. Don't ask single people advice about relationships. Don't ask married people advice about when you're single, you know what I mean? Don't ask non-comedians advice about comedy. You know what I mean? Like that is just like my new, cause I used to, I spend so much time taking advice from people who were like not in relationships about relationships. And I was like, why am I asking you? You're my friend, you're a mess, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So that's just so interesting that that really is probably what people are doing, myself included, when I give advice. Yeah. It's like, like give them this big stuff and a positive attitude mm -hmm. but if you like give them sp specific advice yeah you can maybe even say this is what worked for me right you know, right, try, right try this kind of thing but yeah i try to give like i either don't give advice or very very vague advice because uh you know or if you're like you know red or blue then i can maybe you know oh yeah if you're, it's like it's like number one or number two then maybe i can i can give you my opinion uh-huh but uh but yeah i try to stay out of it that's wild I don't want to ever stop talking to you, Anthony. We We're having this, a really good often. time. We should do this more often. I would love to. I always end these very awkwardly. Um, Caligula, fire in the maternity ward, love and light. Am I missing? 
Thoughts and prayers? Thoughts and prayers. Fuck. Did you imagine me calling a special love and light? I know. As soon as I said it, I got a little confused. What's my album called? We put out albums around the same time. Uh, can I tell you something? I did blackout like two years of my life. I believe that. If you tell me, I'll know it. <laughs> but for, hold on. Can I, can I tell you something? I didn't remember my album name until just now. I'm trying to remember. I can picture the cover. Okay. Pink. Like, like I'm cute. Like, it's not called. It's I, not called feel it. It's, it's really like, fucking. Anno- it's I. I. I am so embarrassed about pretty much the first couple years of. I'm so, you know, and this is going to sound bad, and uh, but kind of similar to yours when, especially female comedians come up to me and they're like, "How do I get this?" And I'm just like, "Dude, don't fucking put anything on camera until you've been doing this for eight years." You did put out an album too early. I know. You put it on like two years before I did. And I like waited a long time. Way and I too was early. like, oh, wow. Like, this is like. Oh, great. And luckily, albums like aren't what they like. Now it's specials. Like, people don't know. My first album was called Shakespeare. Okay. And if I, I, I wonder. What, That's such a I wonder, fucking great title. Thank you. Uh, I wonder what my career would be like if I had waited a couple years and that had been a special. Uh, instead of. Because that was seven years in the making. And then Caligula yeah. was my first special That's was right. like three, two, uh, two and a half, because I had to like, it's like my career took off and it was like, go, go, go. Yeah, yeah. That I wonder if that if they had all been specials and no albums, like, because it's like even Caligula, my first yeah, yeah. special on Comedy Central, yeah. people don't know I did it. People only know about Thoughts and Prayers yeah. and Fire in the Maternity Ward because of Netflix. Right. That I'm like, oh, if I had just been like, and you can't, you can't let that get in your head. Yeah, it'll drive you crazy. Uh, it's like if me. I had, like if I had, if you and I had started a year earlier, mm-hmm. we would have been a part of a different class of comedians. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like a graduating class. Mm-hmm. It was like I felt like I was like a year below B.J. Novak and Dan Mintz. We were. You know what I mean? We were. That if we had started a little earlier, and it's like you can't let that get into your head. Yeah. But I, yeah, I sometimes wonder about it because I think some of my jokes on Shakespeare are some of the best jokes I've ever written. Well, see, that's the other Most thing. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I would say if like 20% of the jokes I did on my first album, which I don't even know where the fuck it is or if it's any. I mean, sometimes people will say like, I heard you on Raw Dog or something. And I'll be like, what? And it's that. Like someone else owns the rights. to. I don't even know where the fuck it is. Some like, you know, criminal manager or something. And, um, and I'm like, if I just had kept 20% of those jokes put on the first special and made them better... My first special would have been better. It's so true, mm-hmm. you know. But I do. Um, sorry, my uh, eyes twitching. No, I think that because in the beginning I was like, I'm like sassy and have to be like loud. I thought being like loud would like neuter me or something and shocking. But for shocking sake, you know, like I just look at that and I think it was it, ugh, it was so embarrassing. It was called emotional ninja. Emotional ninja, <laughs> yes. Which yes. now is such a great like parody of a comedian special yeah <laughs> like a fe- like what a female co- <laughs> what do female comedians call their specials like men and women are different yeah <laughs> it's so fucking corny but um but yeah i uh i when girls come up to me especially now where it's like women you know people think women are funny finally and people girls will come up to me and they're like how come i'm not getting spots at the store and how come i'm not getting a special i'm like dude you're not good yet I've, I did it. Too, I got stuff too early. I'm here to tell you, just wait an extra couple of years and be good. I promise you. When people would always say like, oh, like women know it's like not fair for women. Why do women have a tough time in comedy? It's like, listen, I'm friends with all of like the best women in comedy. That's right. Like I consider myself like friends with them and we're like cool. And it's That's like, right. and they're all exceptional people mm-hmm. and they work their fucking asses off yeah. and they're funny as hell. Like mm-hmm. you just have to be great. That's like right. it's not got nothing to do with mm-hmm. 
being a woman like comedy clubs are like do you know any women we could put in this lineup because we're getting killed like whenever we post a lineup online yeah yeah. that there are opportunities i think a lot of women get opportunities too early and they and they just like and they take them even yeah. though they should not and just get better. Mm-hmm. But the ones I know are just fucking killers. Yes, killers. Like, and it's well, that's what drives me nuts because everyone's like, "How come there are not more women at the comedy store?" Because they're selling out forty shows in San Francisco. Allie's busy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's just sort of like because they're on tour, selling out theaters. They're not here, and yeah. they have fucking families or whatever. They're they're so successful. They're choosing to. Uh, Natasha chooses to stay home mm-hmm. a couple of days a week. Do you know what I mean? So it's like it just it gets real. This conversation gets really frustrating because it's also a lot of people, a lot of women choose not to do stand up. Mm-hmm. You know that's the other thing that you know. So it's like, and also a place like the store, like you have to be going every night and earn that spot. You know and the way that the world is just sort of designed it's just it's not how shit um panned out and i guess to me it's like nothing is worse for female comedians than female comedians going up and sucking because everyone sucks in mm-hmm. the first five years everyone everyone does. when a when a when a, a male comic bombs you're just like oh that guy bombed and you move on if a girl bombs we all bombed oh wow when i'm on the road like doing clubs i have like i have a female oh, i always bring female openers Oh, cool. And because I find that a lot of. You have Robin Tran with you a lot, right? I haven't had her Did a I lot. I've had up? her do Largo with me, but I've never taken her on the oh, road, okay. road. I've just, I've, recent friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones I remember, like, I would take them out and I would ask for a female MC too. Oh, nice. And the, if, but the female MC would always be terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause it's like MCs are always terrible. Right. Male and, they would and go female. Up and eat it and they'd be like, all right, your next comedian, she's, and you would hear the audience go, oh. Trust <laughs> and me. like two in a row and then my and then my opener comes up and kills and they're like oh okay great you know what yeah. I mean? but they're like the MC's going to yeah. be bad no yes. matter what it's not it's not because she's female yeah trust trust me dude yeah when i first started the comedy store the intros were always like are you guys ready for a lady i always love saying <laughs> who's ready for a lady <laughs> It just sounded so funny to say. Like every time I MC it, I'm like, this is my favorite part. Who's ready for a lady? <laughs> and then everyone would be like, oh, people start going up, going to the bathroom. Like people start feeding their meters. I'm like, can you please not do that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just so, it, to me, I always feel kind of guilty saying it. But like when girls come up to me and they're like, I've been doing comedy for six months. Like, how come I can't get a special? I'm like, because you're just not good yet. Yeah. It's not because you're a girl, you know? But yeah, anyway, I like to end these super awkwardly. What's going on with your podcast? Do you know yet? <laughs> we're, ne- we're negotiating right now. Um, I think my co- contract with Comedy Central ran up and we're getting the fuck why, out of there. Why don't so you do it like this? Why don't you fucking do it indie style? Because I don't want to have to Keep do all, all the this. back end. Like I thought it was hilarious that you built a studio in your own home. <laughs> why? Before you started doing it. What if you hated it? <laughs> like what if you didn't like doing podcasts? Like, you, like I built all this shit and then I like hate but I'm saying what I would, what would have made me hate it would be driving to a fucking studio. That's, I don't like driving. I like podcasts once I'm there when it's my friends, but I don't like fucking driving there and driving home. When I signed a deal, it was because I could walk to the studio two blocks. And now we found out with my producer, we can do it in my house. Mm-hmm. They just bring the equipment. And so we're just going to do it like that from yeah. now on. So it's like wherever. Yeah. But, uh, but it should be back soon, hopefully. Yeah. I should, I, I should be, I should have cho- chosen the place, mm-hmm. hopefully by either at the end of the day or early next week. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see, you know, they got to sell ads and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, what about, be back um, soon. it's called the Jesselnick and Rosenthal Vanity Project, JRVP. Mm-hmm. It's me and my best friend. And it's like, we're all, we just, it's, 
it's basically like imagine what my best friend is like and yeah. what I'm like with yeah. like you and I are very close, very good friends, yeah. very close. We have a it's this is a different conversation than it would be if I was being interviewed by someone. That's right. But imagine my best friend in the world, like what I'm like with him. And so it's just I think that's important that. because I would imagine people are kind of trepidatious to like kind of come at you too hard. But someone who's known you for a long time is probably not scared of you. Less. <laughs> And he's like a sports guy, right? Yeah, he he works for the NFL. Yeah. What? He works for the NFL Network. What's going to happen with that? Do you have any intel? With the NFL Network? Mm -hmm. I Is mean, football coming back? They they released the schedule. And like the NFL's got so much money, like they're safer than other things. But it's been like, mm -hmm. there's a hiring freeze, mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't think he's getting a raise anytime soon. But he's under contract for a couple of years. So yeah. hopefully by the time... He's facing anything mm -hmm. that uh, I'm just curious because okay. it's once sports is back and music is back, we're back, you know. Yes, but, but I so I keep I, I don't think we're coming back before music um, and I don't think we're coming back before sports. I'm wondering if like, the comedy store will be like we'll open the main room every other table kind of thing. I mean, the problem with that and sorry to get so granular on this. If it, I, I mean, I think this is probably interesting to people is that they that they won't make money. You know, like no one makes money on half capacity. That's what everyone keeps going. Like, let's open clubs at half capacity. It's like, well, that's just that, you know. And I was at um, Coffee Bean. My mom's in a nursing home and all she wanted was coffee. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go into a fucking Coffee Bean, right? Which in California right now is like pretty wild thing to do. I have my mask. It said, no, you can't come in without a mask, right? So I go in, no service without a mask. I've got gloves, the whole thing, scarf. I, I order the, my drink. I'm like six feet from her. She backs up three feet. I move forward to put the credit card in, back up. She makes the drink. I move six feet away. She puts the drink on the bar, pushes it over, backs up. I, like the logistics and the physical gymnastics just to take a cup from this woman. Like when will we be back in a place emotionally where a waitress can give you a drink in a dark room and you just take it and put it in your mouth? Not even that, but you don't think about it. You're not thinking the whole time of like, what? Nine like, other people have touched this drink and now it's yeah. going to go in my mouth in the dark while I'm exhaling for two hours with a bunch of strangers. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's literally like, you know, so not only when will comedy open again, but when will the environment be conducive to comedy? I think people are going to want to come back mm -hmm. earlier than you would think they would. But to yeah. be in the dark laughing with your mouth open doesn't seem like the most like the like the biggest thing and like there's a chance mm -hmm. I don't ever just stand up again there's a chance just you yeah because you're just I've done I've put out four hours I've got 15 minutes of the next one that it's not like enough that I'm like I've got to finish this mm -hmm. like I couldn't yeah and if it comes back like kind of half-assed like I got to enjoy like the best of the best and I don't have to that if other things, uh, if other opportunities come up, yeah, then who knows? And I don't think that's going to happen. Right, I, right, I, right, I can, right. but I could. I think I'll take off longer than most people because even when things come back, uh -huh. people start going on the road. Yeah, venues. The competition for venues is going to be so insane. It's like, do I want to get in these fights over this? RDS. No, I might just wait until that's done for a year mm -hmm. and then come out and hopefully. Mm -hmm. I, but if I come up with a great bit, then I'm like, I've got to get this Shit, out. There. Yes, yeah, but then, there's. I think things are. I mean, and look, I'm not trying to force you to get on Instagram, but it's like there also is this iteration of like. You know, I mean, when I did my last Netflix special, they were like, hey, people, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like people pretty much watch the first 10 minutes. So could you just, you know, people are like opening with their closers and shit now. Like I put a robot in the end of mine because I was just like, if people, because kind of what happened, you know, Hannah Gatsby special, like, you know, which was obviously very good. People would um, 
go like, it was amazing. It was brilliant. Everyone's like, oh my God. And did you see the end? And everyone was like, I'm gonna, like, I'll get to it. I've had people be like, I've seen the first 15 minutes of your special. It's so funny. Like comics. And I'm like, why did you say that to me? Bert, That's wild. Bert Kreischer, swear to God, goes, dude, I saw the first, I only saw the first joke, but the first joke of your special is one of the funniest jokes I've ever heard. And I go, so funny that you turned it off immediately. And like my new special opens, like I'm, I'm like right about it. Like I don't have any preamble. Yeah. It's like, here's the first joke. I hate this, fucking It's not preambles. even, it's not even walking on stage. It's not like, love high. it, love it's just, it. I'm just like now. Love it. But for people to say that, and I'm like, when comics, I'm like, I don't expect you to watch any, like my, like mm -hmm. Natasha Legere was like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. And I'm mm -hmm. like, why would you? Like, yeah. why would you watch yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I've seen yours because we did research. You were going to be on my TV show and we like did research and right, watched right, right. all your stuff. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. By the way, I expected more robot. I expected like the whole thing to be robot. It was just, uh, just no, very, no, uh, because I I felt I, again. I always have in the back of my head what are comics going to think of this, and I was like, everyone's going to be like, oh, she's a fucking ventriloquist now, and her fuck, she's a prop comic, she's the new Jeff Dunham. Like I just knew what comics, what I would say if a comedian did that, <laughs> how I would make fun of them, and I was just like, I got, I got like three or four laughs out of her, and that's it. Cause when I saw the when I saw you doing like the social media, I was like, oh, that's so fucking good. Like that's so fucking good. I can't wait to see what she does with it. And I was like, oh, it's just at the just at the end. Yes. Like, <laughs> just, I have to sit through fifty minutes of her comedy. <laughs> I, it was, I thought it was a great special. I thought it was a great thank special. You, but you. but I just I was like, who's that fucking doll? Like I know yeah, this doll's coming. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I realized that for people that have only seen the social media and not the special would probably be dramatically disappointed. Whereas the people who just watched the special would probably be delighted to see the robot. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't want to lean on her too much. Um, and I didn't want it to feel like cheap or anything. I was like, this special has to be able to stand on its own, but it was completely made out of insecurity that people were not going to finish the special. And like, you know. I, oh, that's so smart. Totally out of insecurity. So that people, even if they only saw the first half hour, they go to a party and so we go, did you see the fucking robot? And they're like, what robot? And they went back and finished it. That's it was, so smart. It was totally. I didn't realize that was the reason. That's why I did it. Oh, that's great. I did it because I was like, I didn't want to have a special that people started. I want to have a special that people actually finished. And Netflix said, yeah, people are finishing your special. Like that was the the goal, you know? Ah. So, but I do think specials will get shorter at some point. I, oh, yeah. I do think we're going to get a point where it's like half hours. We'll go back to half hours. We'll go to 15 minutes because it's like now, like the idea of the hour was you're on the road and you're giving people an hour, but like watching an hour, it takes an hour, a year to build an hour. And that model was built before there was Twitter and 50 late night talk shows and memes and gifts. Like most random people in Tampa have already gotten to the joke with a meme. Yeah, but you make so much more money on the road right. than you do for your special and no one's going to pay to see you do half an hour. No, you know? no. I think the, the, the road would still be you're coming to see an hour. Yeah. But I'm shooting a half hour and you can see a half hour a year instead of an hour every three years. I think of my specials as a novel. Yeah. And like, if you can't finish the novel, <laughs> that's okay. Like not everyone's a reader. I love that. But I like, but I it, love it that. truly, to me, it's like, yeah. I'm not, like they they tried to get me to do a half hour when they were like trying to pitch it to people. And I yeah. was like, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. Like an hour or it's nothing. It's hard to go back. I know. And then the 15 minutes, they were like, people only watch the first 15 minutes of a special. Yeah. Let's get worse comics and get them to do 15 <laughs> minutes. And then they're like, oh, that didn't work for some reason. It's like, yeah, motherfucker. Because you got people no one's ever heard of and no one wants to see you do like <laughs> four, any minutes. Four bad comics doesn't equal one good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
Well, also, now, sorry, I love talking shit with you. Uh, after I did my special, this is, you know, you guys know that my self-esteem is often hanging by a thread. It's it's rare I give myself a compliment, but um, Jay Leto called me after my, oh, fuck, this is going to be in trouble. Anyway, he called me afterwards and he just was like, thank you. So, you know, he's very into the structure of jokes. He's like, your JPM was great. Like your jokes per minute. Like we're like, we're, a, what? I'm just, I, I've, I've never heard an American say jokes per minute. Like overseas, they're all very jokes per minute. And I'm like, oh, like you can't think of it like that. And they're like, no, if you look at like George Carlin and these people, they're, jo they're oh, it was laughs per minute. Oh, yeah. It was laughs per minute maybe was their big thing, but said. jokes per minute, okay. Oh, yeah. interesting. Maybe, and maybe, th yeah. maybe that's what he said and I'm completing them, but um, he was very much like, there's, I don't like fat. I feel like you're very surgical. Oh, I oh, I cut all the fat. I like I just like no unnecessary words. No, like the connective tissue has to be there. But I also don't like segues. And I and like two specials ago, I went. I'm only um, gonna uh, construct this so that there's no segues, which is gonna help me have a theme to it. It should feel like one conversation and not like here's my Facebook joke and here's my airport joke and here's my religion joke. And speaking of religion, my mom's religious. Jo here's my joke about my parents. Like I was like, just pick a theme. Yeah for each special so that you never need segues. And if you need a segue, cut the joke. That was sort of like my rule. And uh, Jay was like, thank you for not having segues, first of all. Uh, and also thank you for not doing your first eight minutes uh, on the city you're taping your special in. Because <laughs> nobody knows where you're taping it. I did that when I did, I did mine in the last one in New York and I come out and I do all that and yeah. then I cut it. Yeah. Well, of course. So I come out and I'm like, thank you very much. Like blah, blah, blah. I have a joke about the city yeah. and I say something else. Yeah. I make fun of the opener. Yeah. And then it was like, now. Nope. And like, the, and then it starts with the now. I love that. Like, it's like, do it all. Like, I understand yeah. why the audience wants it, but when you're at home, no one cares. It's like Cat Williams talking about Jacksonville for fucking 20 minutes. Dude, we don't know you're in Jacksonville. Like, we don't care. Like, we don't know when this was shot. Like, we don't know anything about this. It drives me nuts. That's like my other thing about the theater porn when people like spend all this time shooting the theater and no one's like, oh my God, look at the moldings. They're like, fucking make me laugh. I'm on a date. I'm trying to make this girl fuck me. Like, why am I looking at all these sh shots that were just designed to make other comics jealous? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, they're just like, what is this? Yeah. And the last thing I'm going to say is, um, because you don't put like little sketches before you're. No, never. <laughs> never. I feel like I always, I felt like I wasn't cool for the longest time because I was like, everyone's like, do you want to do, do, do like a bit in the beginning where you're like getting ready? And I was like, no, am I supposed to be doing a bit like in the green room? I couldn't even do a um, afterwards thing because they were like, well, let's shoot like after you come off stage. Let's like shoot you coming off stage. You know, we'll have it like for the end. I was like, okay, just like, don't tell me about it. Like, just shoot it. And I think this is my HBO special. I came off stage. We look the footage. I look so sad and so disappointed. I realized in that moment, like, do comics come off stage and be like, "Yes, that was awesome." No, never. Like, I, I I've never heard of it. You're like, you walk off and you're like, "All right, that's over." Like, but I'll t I've got a good one for you. So my first special, Caligula, on Comedy Central. I tape two. I tape two shows. They both go great, but the first one, I'm nervous. Mm -hmm. And I'm like killing, but I've got this like thin sheen of sweat yeah, on my face yeah. that the first show is unusable. Yeah. So afterwards, I'm like, and, and like I almost I know I can't blow it. Like if you only get one shot, you're going to kill it. But if you get two, mm -hmm. the first one's going to be a little worse. Mm -hmm. Where on this last special, I made sure mentally I prepared for years. I like meditated on it to make the first show the better one. Wow. That I killed so hard in the first show <laughs> that I walked off and I like hugged my manager. And I was like, I finally fucking did it. I was like, I'm just going to go dick around in the second show. And then they go, Mulaney and, uh, John Mulaney and Nick Kroll are in the audience. And I'm like, well, now I'm going to give a show. 
And then afterwards, the director comes back, and I'm like, first show, we're using that, right? And he goes, no, we got way better coverage in the second show, so we're using that. And I'm like, thank God I didn't fuck around, you know? But so it like it almost didn't matter that I did better in the in the first show. But in Caligula, the first show is unusable. Second show, I come out and I'm totally dry. I kill, and we go to watch it in the editing editing bay. Oh, no. And I'm wearing a black sport coat and a black sh- like button down shirt underneath it, and the collar is sticking out oh, of the shirt. Oh God, that is so annoying. And they didn't stop me to tell me. Oh that this is happening and I lose my goddamn mind. Oh, I'm like, shit. not just that it's that like that, but like everyone had to have seen this mm-hmm. and they were just like, don't stop him. You're going to fuck up his flow mm-hmm. and he's going to start sweating. And it was like, no, I would have made a joke mm-hmm. and I would have been totally, it would have probably helped me. Mm-hmm. But it's like the whole show, my collar's out and it's black on black. So it's not that bad, but I was like so mad that I made the producer pay for it himself. And so in the end credit sequence, it's me getting, I'm just sitting there in my normal clothes and they're like 10 minutes, Mr. Jesselnick. And I go, thank you. And I get in front of the mirror <laughs> and I put my shirt on and then I put my jacket on and they go, Anthony, you ready to go? And I go, almost. And I take the collar out and I go, and I walk out and on IMDb <laughs> trivia, it's like, it looks like he made a mistake, but at the end it shows that he meant to do that, that I fucking like love. That is so funny. Did you think of, did you do that that night? No, it was like a week later. It, later. it was like while I was editing because I was so mad. You were able to wrap your head around it and just yeah. go. It's it's. I hate that I, it's so much funnier that way. Yeah, so it's so great. That's like it, so fucking funny. I know in my Comedy Central special, I was wearing like a tight top and uh, my belly's hanging out the entire thing. And I just was like, ah, fuckers. Like this, I'm not this comedian. I'm not the belly comedian. I don't want to yeah. show my belly. No one fucking told me. They just thought that was like my look. I look like a whore. All right. I love you. We could do this forever, but we, I love you we too. need to stop. I have to pee so bad. Me too. Me too. It's Anthony Jesselnick, guys. What a treat. Love you. You can't find him on Instagram. Good luck. Don't write elephants. Bye. Is that your normal sign?